the NBA draft. Do you want a podcast that discusses and breaks down your favorite prospects all the way until they hear their name called on draft night? Luka Doncic. Welcome to the home of NBA draft prospects. Words can't describe how I feel right now. This is the Prospect Pod, presented by Hardwood Hoops Central, only on YouTube. Welcome back to the Prospect Pod. I am your host, Stephen Barnhart of Hardwood Hoop Central. Follow me on Twitter, at HW Hoop Central. Let me get all the housekeeping notes out of the way. So, for those of you who are subscribed to our YouTube channel, first of all, thank you for subscribing. Thank you for enjoying the content. Thank you for everything that you do to make the content even somewhat itty-bitty little bit relevant. Obviously, this is the time of the year where most people are going to care about the content that I post, the things that I talk about as it pertains to the NBA draft, and we are just a day or two away from the beginning of Summer League. Now, many of you have made comments such as the audio uh, connected to the video on the videos on the channel are out of sync. Well... That would be a complaint for Instat. Instat is a video database library, whatever you want to call it, that uh, the fine folks at Instat, much like you'd see with Synergy, uh, they upload video clips. And then I download those video clips, make them into videos for you fine people. Um, So in other words, I can't control the quality in which they post things. And I'll be very honest with you. There's times where I'm watching film on their site, and all of a sudden a commercial plays, like an actual TV commercial. So if you ever have that happen while you're watching any of our videos, just know uh, that I probably didn't realize there was a commercial um, that was going to pop up in the middle of that video. Had I known, I probably would have edited it out. Or, you know what, maybe I was just too lazy too because it was 11 o'clock at night, and I just said, you know what, i got to get these up. And that's that. So, in any event, here's what I would tell you. Um, The the audio that they upload that I eventually download to share with you all is out of my control. So, uh, I don't ever watch film with the sound on. Okay? Uh, I've been in plenty of film sessions and I've never watched anything with sound on. So, um, yeah. I would uh, recommend watching it that's why i call it you know film sessions people always call it highlights it's like listen highlights are meant to highlight key plays or highlight plays within the game nobody's just gonna watch a normal defensive play and be like oh that's a highlight no that's film and when i put it together in large chunks like i do an hour two hours sometimes three hours that's film that's a film session okay that's a full game if you sit down and watch an entire nba game okay you know obviously tv commercials timeouts play a factor you know you're looking at two and a half hours that's a full game so in any event it's not highlights stop telling me to try to call it highlights you're an idiot thank you um 
So yes, there's nothing I can do about the audio. I'm not going to not call them highlights. I stopped calling them uh, scouting videos because I got the impression people were pissed that they were waiting to open up the film so I could spoon feed them what's right and wrong with every player they're about to watch. There's nothing wrong with the Draft Express style of the video, uh, but that's not my purpose. As many of you who have been along the ride for the channel for, I've done this is my fourth uh, draft now where I've put up film um, you know that I just do this to be a resource to you all I'm a resource to other YouTube channels um, unbeknownst to me you know I just kind of find it out in passing but I end up being a resource because a lot of people don't have access to Synergy or if they do it's you know they're sharing somebody's password and they can only get on when you know like some of these some of these uh, sites and whatnot they track your IP and if you're logging in from too many different places you know yada 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 that synergy does that and stat not so much but at least to my understanding maybe they do I you know I don't know I don't share my password because uh, frankly I pay too much money and frankly if you want my film if you want all the access to everything they provide then you should pay for it too so anyway having said all that um, here's what I would like before we get too far down the road here, about five and a half minutes in, please do me a favor. Look for Hardwood Hoop Central NBA Draft Green Room on whatever podcast service you, your platform you listen to. So if it's iTunes, Spotify, especially those two platforms, please go rate, follow, subscribe, uh, leave comments, especially on iTunes. I would love to, you know, get these get this thing going on iTunes. Some jackass left a uh, a negative rating is a, is is my very first rating, and since then it's kind of dragged the the rating down. So here's what I'd like to get past that jackass's uh, comment uh, or, or negative rating. Here's what I'd like to do. Here's what I'd like to kindly ask you to do for all the free content and time that I put into doing this. I would simply like to ask that at least 30 of you, 30, 30, at least 30 of you, go onto iTunes, find our podcast, NBA Draft, or excuse me, Hardwood Hoop Central's NBA Draft Green Room. Yes, it's a mouthful, but find it. And when you find it, and it'll be, the link will be in the description to all the podcast, podcast platforms, easy for me to say, uh, if, you're, if you're listening to this on YouTube. But if you're not... Um, and you're listening to this on iTunes, most people are going to either listen on, uh, on Apple or Android. And most people are either doing Spotify or if, or if you're a hardcore Apple user, then you're you know, going to do Apple Podcasts. So if you're on iTunes, go on iTunes, find the podcast, and rate. Rate it, comment, leave good comments. Don't be a jackass. Okay, I'll find you. No, I actually won't because if I could find that other guy, I probably would have pounded him. Anyway, um, so having said that, uh, please, because that would that would that would mean a great deal to me. I'm not trying to get this podcast to being uh, some international hit, but look, you never know. Uh, and obviously, I want to put my work out there for the world to see and listen to and and take seriously. I joke with you all that during this kind of intro portion of it because we're going to be sitting here talking about at least 30 prospects, and so this is going to be long. And it's 8:30 at night East Coast on a on a Sunday night. And uh, you all have been waiting extremely patiently for me to put out anything with 
you know, draft thoughts and recaps. And as I've mentioned on the uh, channel, I've had some personal uh, things I've had to deal with. So that has kind of delayed me doing any sort of reaction or anything like that. And plus, you know what, be, to be frank, um, I've wanted to go back and watch film on some guys. And even while I'm doing this recording, I'm probably going to, you know, look at some film as I'm talking about certain guys. Um, so anyways, please go find the podcast on whatever platform you choose to listen to podcasts, rate, uh, comment, follow, whatever it will allow you to do, do it, please. Um, that would, that would mean a great deal. And obviously let people know about it. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm not asking you to leave a comment that you don't personally believe. Um, if you think the podcast sucks and you know what, Hey, so be it. I do this all on my own. Nobody does this with me. Nobody creates any of my content for me, with me, on my behalf. Uh, I say we. I've always said we when it comes to Hardwood Hoop Central because over the years I've had other people scouting with me, working with me, and so I always uh, approach this as if it's a it's a it's a team thing because I never know who's going to work with me uh, in the present or in the future. So I always want to make this seem like it's not just a me venture, but a we venture. Um, so having said all that, um, let's, uh, let's, let's move on. And so, you know, part of really what I want to focus on really and truly is just the first round. Um, I could do, you know, second round guys, if you all want me to, but I think I'd probably do that in a set in a second podcast, because to be honest with you, I'm not going to talk, I wouldn't talk about every second round guy. It's not that it's, it's, they're not worth it um, or anything like that. Absolutely they are. First of all, first and foremost, congratulations to everybody. I don't care if you sign an Exhibit 10 contract. Congratulations. It's a hell of an accomplishment. Nobody will ever be able to take away from you, uh, regardless of what your professional future holds for you. Um, so having said that, if you all want me to do second round uh, individuals, I can certainly... Um, Put some stuff together and do a separate podcast, but I thought for time's sake and really just sake of my own sanity so I could actually get this out and so I can actually make you all happy, um, that I would just focus on the first round. Um, some guys I'll probably go a little more in depth on than others because, you know, I, I kind of geeked out on, on, certain, on certain guys' film more than others. Um, others I feel like are probably a little more self-explanatory. Um, and, and, and there's so much out there being talked about that, uh, you know, I may not go in as, as great of detail. Um, and frankly, some guys I, I really want to go back and, and, and watch some film on, not because I don't know their game, but because I really want to focus on more nuance. Um, and I've, I've been doing that over the last several weeks on a number of guys. But when you go in to do that, it's not you're not just watching, uh, you know, uh, you, you're you're watching the film a little bit differently. You're going back. You're you know you're you're pausing. You know you're looking at things. You know very much slowed down. Um, you know when you're breaking down film that way. So it's not a just sitting there watching it as you would probably do. Um, you know with uh, with the content we put on YouTube. So with all that said, uh, enough rambling. Let's get on with it. Um, Pistons get the. First overall pick, and I think they made the right decision. Um, it's hard to bypass Cade Cunningham. It, it's just let's just say it plain and simple. Obviously, there's a lot being said about him, have already been said about him for a long time. Um, so there's really nothing I'm going to say to you that's going to be new. Um, 
look, the reason it's it's tough to pass up on him isn't just a size thing. Uh, it's it's just everything that comes with it, the feel for the game, uh, the shooting splits that you see, the way in which he can get his shot off, the way in which he can play with pace and poise already, and he doesn't get sped up very often. Obviously, he you know he can have some high turnover games and whatnot, but he's also got a very high usage rate. Um, you know, and that's going to be typical of guys of his elk at the college ranks. You know, you're going to see guys with high usage. So, uh, you know, I think they made the correct decision. Uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm a I'm a big believer. Uh, you know, the second you know the second guy that would have been theoretically on a big board if I ever put one together, which I don't because I don't work for an NBA team. I'm not going to be drafting anybody, so I don't really see the need to put together box and big boards. I mean, if I'm, I'm working for a team, that's completely different. But in any event, um, you know, the, the Pistons just need to get better in, 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 a, in a lot of areas. Um, and so being able to bring in somebody who can be, you know, a generational talent, um, you know, that's, that's, that's a neat, that can be a welcome need for all the teams. Uh, no team is trying to think to themselves, well, we're already really good. You know, I mean, you look at the Lakers, they're, they're still looking to add talent. They add Russell Westbrook and, you know, uh, even the best are, are looking to continue to get better. So, um, you know, the Pistons adding Cade, you know, folks are worried about how he's going to fit with Killian. And, and look, Killian uh, is, is, is fired off of the ball. You know, Cade, the same thing. Those guys, you, you have to realize something. And that was a lot of people's first reaction is, well, what's going to happen with Killian? It's like, look, if you don't realize in today's modern NBA that you can have two to three guards on the floor at a time, I don't really know what to tell you. You know, watch more of the NBA. Um, and I'm not saying that to be um, an asshole or anything like that. It's just, you know, a lot of these guys, are, you know, are, are, are coexisting uh, on the floor that are multiple multiple ball handlers, multiple creators, multiple shot makers, etc. So Cade, um, and, and you know, and, and to Cade's credit, I mean, he'll figure out a way to make it work. You're talking about a guy who's a high IQ guy that I feel like can, can play with just about anybody. So, you know, right choice for the Pistons. Um, you know, looking at the Rockets, uh, Jalen Green tended to be, I mean, this is just kind of perusing through NBA draft Twitter. Uh, you were either a Jalen Green guy or you weren't, you know. Um, I, look, I have no problem with Jalen Green. I, I certainly would have went the Evan Mobley route, uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm biased because I've, I've been a huge fan of Evan Mobley's game, you know, since the Compton Magic days of, you know, being able to see him play. Uh, on the AAU circuit, and so I'm a bit biased, um, at least in that term, in that in that regard. But we'll talk about Evan more in a second. Um, as far as Jalen goes, look, I would have I would have went Evan because that's a team that you know going forward certainly could you know use uh, as much of a defensive presence uh, on the interior as they can as they can get. Um, obviously, they have the, they have Christian Wood there. But, uh, you know, obviously, you know, at some point you're going to need insurance policies and whatnot. And let me look up Christian Wood's situation in Houston as far as his contract and see what we got going. Because, 
you know, it takes it takes big men a, a little bit of time. It's not just you just jump in the league and everything's all hunky-dory. So Christian has got the upcoming season 21-22, still under contract, has the following year 22-23 under contract, and then 23 he is a free agent. So, you know, it would have been nice to be able to have an Edwin Mobley kind of come along for that two years because, again, you know, to acclimate as a big, it takes some time. Obviously, you got to put on some size, and, and really, it's a tough position to play at, play at center. And when you're someone like Evan Mobley, especially, who can play all over the floor, who can cover a lot of ground, um, you know, I just thought it would, would have been a nice insurance policy should they not uh, decide to move forward with Christian Wood, um, you know, and, 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 and whatnot. So, having said all that, um, that's, you know, that's, Kind of part of the reason I would have went in that direction, but with Jalen Green, you know, clearly you're getting an expl- uh, explosive scorer. You know, he's he's got the athleticism that is pretty much unmatched in this draft in terms of bounce, in terms of you know just exploding to the rim. You know, he can he can certainly show you flashes of skill, but also can be very violent at the rim. Um, you know, he's an excellent cutter. In, you know, and he can be excellent in transition. Uh, you know, he's an above-average three-point shooter. I thought he looked, you know, as far as his shot was concerned, looked pretty good. Uh, you know, playing for the G League Ignite, uh, quick, quick uh, excuse me, quick release NBA range. Certainly a guy who who scores with confidence. A quick twitch athlete. You know, can really get catch and go. You know, keep defenders off balance with change of direction and explosion. Um, you know. He basically, once he gets top speed and once he gets going downhill, he can be he can be tough to stay in front of and contain. You know, I, you know, I think for me, uh, you know, getting him to be you know more fluid and, and a little more comfortable in the mid range, um, you know, on on pull ups and floaters. There's there's some there's some of that there, but uh, you know, he's not as polished in the middle of the floor as he is in the perimeter and being as a slasher. You know, in terms of shot selection, you know, tends to have a uh, uh, you know a tendency to you know put up long threes that weren't necessary. You know, looking at some of his just his shot tendencies gets a little uh, tunnel vision, if it were, in terms of just deciding this is what I'm going to do, just just predetermining what he's going to do on a particular possession. Um, you know, but I think overall, you know, just in terms of his scoring and. It's 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 tough to the, to deny him in that way, um, but to me, um, you know, it wasn't worth uh, going number two overall when you talk about a team that was pretty bad defensively last year, especially when Christian Wood was out. Um, <laughs> I mean, I used to, I I've said it on the on the pod before, but I used to, you know, when I when I would gamble NBA games, you know, Houston was one of the teams I'd pick on in terms of point spread because I always just knew. Uh, you know, that on a given night, you know, they were very capable, especially when Christian was out, very capable of just getting skunked off the floor. And um, so, I mean, you know, uh, it's it's just, uh, you know, and, and to me, you know, looking at Jalen on the defensive end, there's just a lot of, uh, und- a lot of undisciplined mistakes, uh, not always consistently in stance, get blown by a little too easy, you know, can give up on plays, you know, reaches and overplays at times, gambles, you know, off balance, you know, trying to close out on guys or contain guys, 
you know. But then, but then there's the performative aspect of, of Jalen Green in, in terms of you know being able to block shots on the move. Obviously, has I think a six ten wingspan. You know, I mean, there, there's going to be times where he's going to be able to you know make it help side block or chase down block or something that's going to you know show off his athleticism. That's going to you know make you pay attention. But um, in terms of the actual um, you know, in terms of actually putting it all together defensively, I just I, I I don't see it right now. And obviously, all these guys that we're going to talk about are young, and there's just plenty of time. But again, that's what kind of separated Evan for me uh, as being the clear, you know, second best prospect in this draft. Um. So you know, I, I and I think you know ultimately too with with Jalen, you know, learning to play make for others and 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 improving on uh, you know his decision making being able to read the floor and create for others um, you know there, there's still a lot there to be worked on um, you know he can get downhill get in the paint get two feet in the paint and be you know somebody who can who can find guys in the interior um, when you consider you know how often he's gonna look to attack that can certainly be an option where once he gets downhill, finding guys in the dunker spot or finding guys on you know on lobs and whatnot, uh, where he can certainly you know be a playmaker for guys. And then obviously again, getting him out in transition is always going to be helpful. Um, but you know there there's there's a lot here that still needs to be polished and worked on and, and, and matured. But again, we're talking about guys who are 18 to 20 years old basically. So it's it's. You know, it's 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 it is tough to bang on guys this this early, um, but at the same point in time, again, when you're thinking about what teams need at the top, you know, these are the things that you think about. So, all right, um, beyond Jalen, uh, started giving thoughts already on Cav- the Cavaliers' uh, third overall draft pick, Evan Mobley. Uh, you know. There are a lot of people that want to make comparisons to him, as far as you know, like a Chris Bosh and whatnot. I, I don't, I don't really care to make comparisons because you know, in too many cases, you're either comparing guys unfairly or comparing guys extremely inaccurately, and it it creates, in my mind, uh, unnecessary expectation. Obviously, fans are going to have that anyway, but I don't. I don't care to to add to that, to pile on to that. Um, but for me, Evans, an extremely highly versatile offensive player, somebody who can face up, plays back to the basket. Um, you know, didn't have the shooting splits that you would you, you would want uh, or you would hope for of a guy that you were labeling as a franchise changer. But he's got the touch and the finesse to go along with the athleticism, the skill that you can really build on. I think he's got excellent hands. Runs the floor, you know, very well. You know, can be very quick off the floor. Obviously, a great lob target. Uh, you know, capable of being a grab and go big and go get end to end. Um, you know, I think between his footwork and his counters, shot fakes, you know, all these things that he can do in and around the paint um, are things that'll allow him to score not just near the rim, but. Uh, you know, beyond that, and, he, and he's and he's been working on his you know his three point game for a long time. So I mean, I think over time, I don't expect him to be, uh, you know, somebody that's going to be reliably knocking down uh, threes all the time. But you know, I fig- I figure, give it a few, you know, a couple years, 
uh, and you'll see that part of his game start to to mature. Right now, I think he can be more of a guy that you can, you know, hit in some short roll situations, dunker spot situations, uh, and then obviously use him as vertical spacer in the pick and roll. You know, I've always felt like he's got pretty good feel as a passer. Uh, and then when you talk about what he does defensively, I mean, he's obviously an excellent shot blocker, great timing on and contests. And having a 7-4 wingspan is always going to be extremely helpful. Um, so, you know, for me, uh, you know, the Cavaliers are are still a team that is is looking to build its way back, but adding an Evan Mobley to the situation uh, is certainly not a bad thing. And um, so good on them for being able to get uh, a guy who I think definitely will be a franchise changer in, uh, in Evan Mobley. Um, all right, Toronto, fourth overall. Um, Scotty Barnes. Um, I know a lot of phones are going off in the background. I apologize for that. I would need to. All right. In any event, um, Scotty Barnes going fourth overall. That surprise. It's, it seemed to surprise a lot of people. Um, you know, upset some people who felt like, you know, well, you know, we should have gotten uh, this player or that player. And it's like, look. Uh, first of all, being a guy who was scouted in Florida, I've watched Scotty since he's probably eighth, ninth grade. Um, so I've watched him for a long time. Um, first of all, you're getting a quality person, uh, and, I, and I and I get that I'm I'm saying that you know with some bias and whatnot, but uh, you know uh, I feel like I can say that I've I've been around enough folks who've who've had you know different levels of relationship with him. Uh, and, and nobody I've ever talked to has ever had a bad thing to say about him. And anytime I've ever, you know, been around him or watched him, uh, he's never really been the type of guy that really seems like, A, he could be uncoachable because he certainly is very coachable, or B, doesn't really get down on himself and, 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 and is a guy who can, you know, move on to the next play and just give you everything he's got. Um, you know, I know saying this to start it off is uh, it's not helpful, but to me, Scotty is an ultimate glue guy. And I'm thinking, and I know you're thinking, okay, well, look, we drafted this guy fourth overall. We need a lot more than that. But but hear me out. Um, obviously, the shot isn't where you'd want it to be, but there's not much else on the basketball floor that Scotty Barnes can't do. Now he's going to have to you know continue to get better on the ball in terms of decision making and I think sometimes his passing can be you know a little overblown in terms of just how great he great he is sometimes there's there's uh, some decision making issues but he is an excellent passer you know I think some people like I say will we'll put it on some sort of high stratosphere I mean he, he can still make mistakes with the basketball um, but in terms of what he can do as a passer in terms of what he can do uh being uh, uh, look and not even just passing there's something to be said for guys who can just smartly move the ball not take shots that they shouldn't and Scotty you know for the most part again I know the shots not there but he's not putting up bad shots and he's also not afraid to shoot so you like that because number one you don't want a guy who's hesitant right because there's going to be plenty of situations where passing up a shot is just as bad as is as taking a bad one, you know, forcing a shot. Um, Scotty, Scotty's somewhere right in the middle, and I think that's a good place to start for a guy, especially when they're needing to get better in terms of shooting. Um, 
I don't mind that because to me, uh, you know, he's eventually going to figure out somewhere on the floor where he can reliably feel comfortable shooting threes and he'll have to, you know, continue to get better. But being able to get the ball into the paint, find guys, score at the rim, he's got a floater that, you know, he tends to go to a little bit too much, but that he's comfortable with and that he can make. Um, and then on top of that, you know, he's good on the boards. So if he puts up a shot and misses, he's going to look to crash the glass. He's not just going to put his head down and run back. Um, you know, but at the end of the day, Scotty Barnes is somebody that's going to want, want to get into the paint. That's how he's pretty much always been. From the time I started watching him, you know, as a ninth grader all the way until now, uh, that's who he's been. He's been a guy that gets into the paint, uses his athleticism and length, you know, and his, and, you know, and, and the handle that he's had to be able to get into the paint and score. Um, you know, I think, uh, I think overall, though, a lot of the people that were complaining uh, about, well, you know, why are we taking this guy fourth overall? Don't get caught up in the shot. You know, I see a lot of people doing that with, like, Draymond, and I see, I see a lot of people doing that with Ben, and, and there's just always always guys. Look, uh, bottom line is this. He's not a guy that's not going to want to take a shot. If he's got it, and you coach him to take it, he'll take it. Um, so this isn't going to be a situation where it's like, well, I refuse to shoot. I'm not going to do it. So, again, I think you're starting from a good place with him. Um, so there's that. That's why I'm not particularly worried about will he, won't he shoot. What I'm more focused on is, you know, how quickly can he get better at it, you know, over the next two to three years. Um, and that's really how you have to look at prospects. You can't can't put them in a vacuum and say, "Hey, look, like <laughs> it, we need you to be good by game one." It's like it doesn't doesn't work that way. And you can't look at all the guys behind guys and say, "Well, we could have had him." You know, different playing style, different coach. You never know what guys would look like in those systems. So you 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 can't just go off of that. You know, Scotty nor none of these guys are perfect prospects. They've all got something. That needs to get better. There's a lot of there's a lot of one one to two skill guys, NBA skill, you know, one to two things that they do at, at an NBA level in this draft. One to two things. There's a lot. In other words, there's a lot of role players in this draft. There's a lot of you know, hell, there's a lot of guys in this draft that can only truthfully play one side of the floor uh, reliably. So, you know. I think Scotty is somebody who can eventually get better in terms of shooting, but he'll still be able to get into the paint and create, still be able to get to the paint and score, get him out in transition, find ways to be able to you know get him involved. But he'll be a guy that he, he can be a good connector type player. He's not going to be your point guard. He's not going to be a guy that you know is going to constantly have the ball in his hands. But he also doesn't necessarily have to be. I think if you can just get him going downhill – um, and allow him to make decisions and learn and grow from those decisions because obviously a lot of them are going to be, you know, decisions where the game's a little too quick for him at times, just like it is going to be for a lot of rookies. The game has to slow down. For some guys, it slows down quicker than others. It's just how the, that's how the game works. And so um, have patience with him. 
I think in the end it pays off well. Does he turn out to be a Hall of Famer? Does he turn out to be this guy or that guy? Or look, you know that that's that's the wrong way to look at it and approach it, and that's the wrong way to approach it for all of these guys, all of them. Um, because if we're being honest, if if the thing that you're expecting guys being picked in the top five to be, you know, all stars or Hall of Famers, you're going to be let down a lot, a lot. And that's nothing against guys who've been drafted that high. Again, it's a hell of an accomplishment to be drafted in the top five of any draft, regardless of what your opinion is on the draft, uh, weak draft, strong draft, legendary draft, whatever. It's an accomplishment. So, um, I, you know, I have reasonably high hopes for Scotty. Reasonably high. Do I expect him to be, you know, some sort of offensive juggernaut? No. Do I expect him to make a ton of mistakes on the offensive end as he goes along and learns to, you know, handle at the NBA level, make decisions at the NBA level, score at the NBA level? Yes, absolutely. Do I think he's going to be some sort of like lockdown versatile defender? Probably not. Most guys are not. Most guys aren't. But can you be a good team defender? Can you be a guy who can not only guard your position but switch and when the time is right, make a play? Whether that's jumping the passing lanes, whether that's you know walling up and, 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 and creating a, a a charge or getting a, you know a block or you know what hell just making all the right rotations. You know maybe you're maybe you're in a, in in. in in a situation where you you're guarding having to guard two guys you know you, your your responsibility is two different guys on two different parts of the floor how well do you re- read and recognize and get to the right guy and guard you know defense is not the highlight level blocks and all the stuff that people want to talk about it's not defense defense is making right rotations being smart reading the floor keeping your head on a swivel, all of these, communicating, I'll, 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 uh, I'll say it again, communicating, which sadly even guys at the NBA level sometimes don't always do. Um, it's a lot of things. It's not something that can just be easily quantified. It's, it's, it's tough. And, it, you're, and you're guarding the best of the best in your industry. So, Again, here's how I look at it. I think Scotty's going to be a good player. Um, maybe you're a Toronto Raptors fan, and that's not that doesn't help you. You know, make you feel better. This isn't really about making you feel better. You need to feel better about it. You know, t- take a chill pill. It's 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 not that deep. Um, there's drafts every year. <laughs> it's just you know what you hope for every year is you get guys who fit into your system, guys who are coachable, guys who will learn to play. Uh, the style of basketball that the coaches that you, that you want to play, and that they'll they'll be uh, reasonably the type of player that they draft him to be. They didn't they didn't draft Sky to be twenty twenty five points a game. You know, there's different elements to his game that do work at the NBA level, and you hope that those elements can be elevated as he gets NBA coaching development. So if that happens and he turns out to be, you know, a good player, uh, ends up being, you know, a good young defender, a guy who can even pass the ball, you know, move the ball around and whatnot, I say that's not a bad lottery, uh, a bad uh, draft pick. That's that's my personal opinion. Now, if you, now if, if, if every, 
every guy, in your opinion, that gets drafted in the top five, top ten, needs to be an all-star, you're going to be disappointed more often than not. So, um, I'm saying all that not as someone who's trying to to defend Scotty Barnes, but I'm uh, the people who wanted to act like, oh, well, we should have went for Jalen Suggs or should why didn't we get you know? It's like okay, bro, like relax, you know. Let guys go where guys are going to go where they're going to go, um, and, and and it is what it is. You you want guys just to get better. Scotty is a guy I think will be coachable and get better. So rest assured, you got a player that I think will be good for you. Um, all right, Orlando Magic at five, Jalen Suggs. Uh, yeah, I before doing this pod today, I went back and watched quite a bit of. Uh, Jalen Suggs film. I shouldn't say quite a bit, but I went back and watched, you know, enough to really give me some additional notes before talking about him. Um, look, I, I like the, you know, the pick for the Magic at five uh, of Jalen. Obviously, I don't, you know, they probably weren't expecting Jalen to be there, um, you know, but this is a team that is needed, you know, unfortunately, they've needed a point guard. Markel Fultz, you know, obviously been. And I, I really shouldn't call Jalen a point guard. Uh, obviously, he's more of a combo guard, but and a, a lead guard. However, you, however you want to term it yourself, in, in, in current day terminology, is more of a combo guard. Um, so anyway, uh, but this is a team that is needed guys that they can be cornerstones on the perimeter. That's where the NBA game today is being played. Who's your cornerstone perimeter player or players? The Magic right now. Uh, you know, think what you want about Cole Anthony. I'm happy for him that he's played at the level he's played at. Um, but, you know, uh, Jalen Suggs, I think, can be a different level athlete, can be a different level of scorer and creator that I think can not only um, be a benefit to the Magic, but also can have some compliments to uh, to Cole Anthony at times because I don't think Cole necessarily always has to play on the ball. Um, again, you know, we talked about, you know, a, a, a minute ago, uh, having multiple guys on the floor that can create and score. Um, and Jalen, I don't necessarily seeing as being a primary. He's, I think he's always going to be a guy that can uh, be paired with a guy who can score and create. And so having Cole Anthony next to him, I think, can be helpful. Um, you know, but looking at Jalen Suggs, um, you know, the, 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 the shot form looks good. There's, uh, you know, there's there's some issues here and there. You know, you'll see a little bit of a, fl- uh, you know, a thumb flick and, and things of that nature at the top of the key. Uh, you know, we just going going to take, you know, jump shots. And I shouldn't, you know, say at the top of the key as if that's the only place it takes place. But, uh, you know, going back and, and looking at some of those shots, it's where I kind of noticed it from. Um, you know, can can tend to jump forward a little bit uh, instead of being a little up and down. But these are these are things that. For him and for a lot of players, uh, not not only can be coached out of, but are uh, you know they can be on this possession on this possession the thumb flick happened. In this possession, uh, you know the jumping forward a little bit happened. It's but it may not be every shot. Um, you know, so there's some mechanical things in, with his shot that can be worked out over time. But I th- I think overall where his shot is of right now. Um, it's a it's a good place to start, and I think, you know, he's pretty comfortable being able to not only create his own shot but shoot off the catch. Um, 
to me uh, let me look on instat here and see if they'll give me the exact catch and shoot numbers on him some of you are saying well, why don't you look this up prior to well I did but I don't memorize it um, da, 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 um all right hold on Jalen sucks okay do to do to do, do this segment is brought to you by instats do to do, do catch and shoot percentage made okay according to instat now it might be different on Synergy, I don't know. I mean, because you you got to keep in mind with these with these video services, there's actual people inputting this stuff in. So sometimes wrong clips go in, things aren't accounted for, and it can impact the actual uh, numbers that you're seeing. Always keep that in mind. Um, but in terms of what Instat is showing, catch and shoot percentage made twenty five point seven percent. That seems low to me. Because he seems, to me, watching the film, he seems pretty pretty good with being able to shoot off the catch. Very, you know, pretty comfortable shooting off the catch. Um, but in any case, I think where his shot's starting is a good place to start. Now, Jalen Suggs, as, as a scorer, as a player, prefers to get downhill. You know, he has a floater he loves to get to as he gets closer into the lane. Loves to get out in transition. You know, he loves to hit a head pass. You know, finding guys in transition who are filling the lanes. Uh, Jalen, I've been watching him since probably since he was in ninth grade too, ninth or tenth grade, probably ninth grade. Um, but in any event, I mean, he's he's always been a sight to see in transition. <laughs> That's that should be no surprise to anybody, um, especially when you give him time and space to really load up. That's where you'll see some of his. Uh, his, you know, his athleticism that uh, you know people love to look when they're looking at highlights, highlights, not film, highlights. So, um, you know, I, the other parts of, of of him as a driver that I like, you know, he's got the body control. He accepts contact. You know, it's that that football background. You know, one of the things that I do like about football players that eventually become basketball players. They don't take two feet out of the lane and try to take odd angles to try to get to the rim and score. They just say, hit me. Go ahead. You know, that doesn't mean that, you know, Jalen won't find one foot out of the paint when he's trying to, to, to score at the rim. But a lot of times, you know, when a player like that is doing it, it's not to, to shy away from contact. It's more so they've put a, a shot idea in their head to try to score around a particular player. And so one foot is in the paint, one foot ends up out of the paint, and they're trying to put a little more finesse and nuance onto the shot that they try to create. Um, but for the most part, he's, he's going to be a guy that's going to take the contact and try to hang and finish. Um, a good finisher uh, at the rim. One to two dribbles, you know, he can get up in, you know, in the mid-range pull-up areas. Um, again, as, as, as his shot continues to mature and progress, you'll be able to see him uh, make those mid-range pull-ups. Um, you know, I really think with him playing with the Magic, he should really be able to help their pace and transition game quite a bit because he's a guy that, like I mentioned a second ago, loves to get out in transition, but he loves to hit ahead passes and loves getting guys uh, who are out in transition. If you go back and look at a lot of Gonzaga film, uh, that team certainly played 
with some good pace, and I think he'll help the Magic quite a bit. Um, you know, reading the floor as an attacker was something, you know, looking at film today, you know, picking the right time, when the drive, and which driving lane uh, will be important for him uh, as he continues to mature because there's, there's plenty of times where, you know, he'll try to force his way into the lane and then he's got not only six eyes on him, but he's got two hands, you know, contesting him at the rim. Uh, and he's not, I mean, he's a good athlete, but he's not going to be a guy that's just going to absolutely flush it over people in traffic. Like, he gets deep in the weeds. You're just not going to. That's where, that's where, to me, the Derrick Rose comps are, are way off. I hate to say it, but we're 10 years away, uh, 10 years removed from 2011 Derrick Rose. And I think people are, if they're being honest, have really forgotten just how explosive and just how athletic Derrick Rose was. So I don't think those comps, in terms of his athleticism, are, um, are, are, are just. And that's not a knock on Jalen. Again, I, I, I'm against comparison because a lot of times it's not accurate. And comparing his athleticism to Derrick Rose, no offense to Jalen Suggs, and I think he probably would agree because I would imagine, I just would imagine, he's probably a guy that he's probably looked up to uh, over the time that he's played basketball. And I even think he would tell you, it's like Derrick Rose in the stratosphere by himself. Um so, you know, picking the right driving lanes and when to drive is going to be – it's, you know, it's it's like a running back. You know, a lot of you, you know, I'm sure, watch football. Um, you know, if you pick the wrong – you pick the wrong hole to try to, you know, go down, you're going to get tackled. Uh, you pick the right hole, you can break it – you can break it wide open for a 60-yard run. And I don't care how athletic or how strong or how good of a finish you are at the rim. When you get around NBA length and athleticism, you need – to pick the right lanes and get there as quickly as you can to take advantage of your advantage, uh, because that stuff will close quick. Everybody, you know, is capable of, of pinning your shit to the backboard, and you need to be quick and decisive because those driving lanes will shrink fast. Um, so that I think for him, especially because he is so much of a slasher and his game is predicated with him getting both feet into the, into the paint, reading the floor in that way is going to be super helpful as he, he learns to do that more and better as this game goes on. Um, trying to think of what else I wanted to speak on about him uh, in terms of the offensive end. You know, one of the things that I liked in the film I was watching today is that uh, he tends to use screens well to create shots. You know, just generally speaking, excuse me. Um, you know, he tends to let the defense react. He'll hold them pretty well, and then he makes the decision. Or, you know, if he feels like his big hasn't quite been able to get the, set the screen that he would like in order to create the space he wants, he'll kind of go back or angle himself to allow the screen to really set, and then he'll go on about what he wants to do. Um, and I like that, especially out of a young, a young guard, you know, being able to realize um, because you'll see a lot of veteran guards in the NBA that really understand how to use screens, and they don't always have to be the fastest guys. They just know how to effectively approach angles, approach screens, come off of those screens, and create space for themselves. Um, and, I, and I just think it's extremely important that uh, you know, as if you can learn how to use screens and have that set in you early on, it only helps you going forward. Um, 
I mentioned the passing a minute ago. Um, you know, one of the other things in terms of passing, you know, I mentioned a lot of him getting downhill. Uh, where I saw some things that I liked uh, on the interior, you know, as an interior passer, uh, being able to get into the lane and find guys on the interior um, was one of the areas I thought as a passer he looked pretty good. Now on defense, um, one of the things that I took a, a great deal of notice on was being in position. Um, you know, really reading the floor, you know, making sure to make the right tags when needed, making sure that, you know, provide the right help when needed. You know, closeouts tended to be an issue, some t- you know, taking some bad angles, being off balance. Now, these are some common things for young, you know, young players in general. Um, but it's the reason I, I bring it up is these are things that as you go along, it's already tough to guard anybody at the NBA level. Um but when you have uh, when you have things like that that are you know reading the floor IQ situations, you don't want to catch yourself out of position because at the NBA level they will absolutely make you pay for it, and they will force you to make decisions. So if you are someone who is you know guarding two guys on a split, it's you're really needing to make the right decision. Which guy do I need to get out to, and you know do you have you know the the quickness to get over in case that guy catches and swings to the next guy, um, because but again that it's not just the quickness and the athleticism and being able to turn the hips. A lot of it's just uh, a lot of it's reading and reacting correctly and reading you know seeing the floor. Uh, and there was some of that that for me didn't quite sit well with Jalen, but um, you know certainly things that can be improved upon as he goes along. Um, but overall, you know, I like the pick for the Magic. I mean, that, that's a team that's needed, you know, some a, a cornerstone uh, type player that is capable of, of leading them on the perimeter uh, from the guard position. And again, I don't necessarily see him as a guy that uh, has to be, um, you know, your primary. I think, uh, you know, you compare him with other guys who can be, uh, you know, creators, uh, and, and he can pair with them just fine. Um, all right, so from Jalen, let's go to Josh Giddy um, to the Thunder at six. Um, this was a – Josh Giddy is a – I think it's probably an understatement, but Josh Giddy is a NBA draft Twitter darling. Uh, there's always these handful of guys every year that they gush over – and Josh Giddy certainly seems to be one of those, one of those guys. Obviously, the age, um, being 18 years old, you know, the passing skill that he has at six nine, you know, people who went all over it. I, you know, I watched a lot of NBL. Um, you know, it's it's one of those things where when you're up at 5 a.m. you don't really have anything else to do. You know, you'll flip on some NBL games and uh, watching the Adelaide 36ers. Uh, you know, they had a you know a bit of a rough season, but um, you know when Josh was playing, it was certainly worth worth the watch. Um, in terms of you know the things I've I've, I've noticed about him or, or or you know took note of watching him, you know, obviously the the shooting is something that people start off with you know, and, I, and I'm no different here. I think the the biggest thing for me is some of the balance issues, kind of his you know push shot style almost. Um, sometimes tends to have a slow release, other times not so much. So his 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 timing on his release can 
kind of be touch and go. Um, you know, the handle's all right for his size, uh, but he doesn't create a lot of space, doesn't have a, a, you know, a lot of wiggle in his game. Um, you know, he's not completely void of it, but it, it kind of comes in flashes. You know, but he's more of a simplified, straight lines, majority of the guy kind of handle. Um, you know, and, and a lot of it really, uh, in terms of his, his handle, can be a bit predictable. Um, you know, I think for, for him, you know, learning which dribbles to use, getting comfortable using, you know, those different dribbles, whether it's hesitations, speed dribbles, whatever, um, having a, a clear understanding uh, and a clear being, uh, being able to use different dribbles as he's coming out of different actions or if he's, you know, caught in different uh, scenarios is going to be helpful to him. Um, because the the handle is where he tended to be either a little too predictable or get himself into uh, some unnecessary trouble. Um, you know, obviously, you know, as I mentioned before, the passing is, is the thing that everybody oohs and ahs over. You know, I think that's that's certainly, you know, wor- uh, well worth noting. Um, you know, being able to see the floor, it, obviously it helps being 6'9", but the, the touch – that he has and, 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 and the, and where he can not, it's not always just reading the floor. It's just knowing that, Hey, I can make this pass. And I think that that is, that has its value because as he learns to read the floor, as the game does slow down for him, as he does improve his handle, uh, that passing will only elevate, uh, for him. When you look at Josh Giddy, you know, he's not going to be your lead guard, uh, you know, in Oklahoma City. Um, so I don't think it's necessary that, you know, you would expect, uh, you know, there to be a need for him to make a lot of the reads and the ball handling uh, uh, decisions that he's had to make while he was in the NBL. Um, you know, with Oklahoma City now having Kimba, having Shea Gilgis, um, even Poku being able to, you know, handle it. Um, there's going to be plenty of guys on the floor that are going to be making decisions before him, uh, you know, whenever he's able to kind of uh, move into that role where he's, uh, you know, getting more minutes and whatnot. It'll really just depend on who he's on the floor with. Uh, but there's plenty of guys on that team that are going to be taking shots and making decisions. So I think for him, it's more of the importance just to get down the fundamentals so that the thing that you're a lead at or can be a lead at um, gets accentuated to its highest level. Um, so, you know, the offensive part of it, there's there's quite a bit to still still work on. I mean, he's comfortable in mid-range pull-ups, you know, short turnarounds, you know, baseline-type jumpers. You know, he's also a pretty good cutter. Um you know, and he can be pretty good around the rim. I wouldn't necessarily uh, call him a great finisher or anything of that nature. Um, you know, it's one of those situations where also, too, he's got to put on some size to be able to really play through contact at this level. Um, but, you know, good positional rebounder, crashes offensive glass for putbacks and things of that nature. You know, pretty solid athlete with with, with some pop, but, uh, you know, he's more of a two-foot jumper on dunks, not a lot of... Not a lot of bounce off the floor. Um, you know, in terms of defense for me, um, you know, he's got more of the playmaker in him. 
where, you know, he can jump past the lanes and get a steal for you, might be able to get a block if he's in the right position, uh, those sort of things, more of the performative type things. But in terms of um, what you'd want as a guy who's getting down in the stance and, and, and being able to contain, doesn't have great lateral quickness or is not a quick t- twitch athlete, um, you know, again, he can provide some help if he's already in position to maybe make a steal or a block here and there, but it's it's more of him already kind of being in the right position. For the most part, he can be out of position quite a bit. He can be locked in on his guy more than he is engaged in the entirety of the picture, so he's more focused on the detail than the whole picture. Um, you know, I think he needs to definitely be more dialed in on defense. Um, you know, there's just a lot of film where he's just – blatantly not aware of what's going on around him um so it's just one of these deals where not only does he have to be more aware and more engaged uh, but he really just needs to learn that side of the ball um from the, from a nuanced standpoint not from just well i can block a shot here i can i can jump i can read a passing lane and, and get a steal here like yeah that's stuff that'll show up in, in, a, in a highlight package or it might show up uh you know on the stat, uh, you know, the box score. But in terms of NBA defense or just basketball defense in general, um, you know, there's still a lot to be worked on for him. You know, in terms of getting skinny on screens, fighting hard over them, some of these some of these things where it requires him to be a little more physical on defense uh, doesn't really show up a lot on, on film. But, again, you know, quick active hands, you know, can be pretty good as, you know, reaction, uh, reactionary defender. Um, again, more of a performative type, but um, you know, I wasn't as high as everybody else uh, on Josh. Doesn't mean I don't think he's a, he's a skilled player. I do, um, and the NBL offers you know good competition. Um, I I really enjoy watching that league. I really do, um, and so you know I'm excited for his development. But there's it's definitely uh, it's definitely going to be that development um, before you really get. Some of the things that uh, I'm sure fans are, are hoping to see out of them. Um, all right, so moving on from Josh at six, we go to Jonathan Kaminga to the Warriors um, at seven. Um, you know, Jonathan's a, a, an interesting case for me as I was going back and watching some of his film, um, trying to figure out really kind of how to use him. He's a guy that really likes to be able to get downhill and get to the rim. You know, um, the shooting from three isn't isn't there. Doesn't have a it doesn't have a bad looking shot um, at all. You know, obviously there's always going to be things you can tinker with and, and get better with on, on his shot uh, or anybody's you know shot. Or I shouldn't say anybody's, but a lot of us, a lot of young guys' shots. You, you know, there's there's always something that can be uh, improved upon. Um, you know, for me, he's a little bit of a tweener. Um, you know, he looks like a modern four, but he doesn't necessarily have the jump shot that a lot of modern fours have. But then there's times where I think, well, maybe he's offensively could be more, you know, be more beneficial to be used kind of like a five would be used. You know, short roll situations, uh, dunker spot situations, even though. Uh, in terms of being in traffic, Jonathan doesn't necessarily have a ton of pop coming off the floor. Now, give him time and space. Uh, it looks effortless when he's coming off the floor. But in terms of being in traffic, 
Um, you know, there's there's not a, a ton of pop there. So dunker spot may not always be advantageous, although if there's, again, if there's time and space, certainly think it's helpful. Getting a mountain transition uh, certainly as a trailer would be helpful. Uh, but I definitely think there's some some opportunity using him more as, as a as a big around the rim, short rolls, anything going towards the rim, cuts, um, you know, not I mean not necessarily part of a, a big package, but even just using him on cuts and things of that nature. Anything getting him going towards the rim, being able to you know use his his size and some of the skill shots that he does have, he can play back to the basket. Now I'm going to say something, and I want you to listen uh, because I don't want anybody hearing this and thinking I said something else. The ways in which he likes to score. I will emphasize this again. The ways in which he likes to typically score kind of reminds me of Carmelo. Um, I'm not saying he's the scorer that Carmelo is. I'm not saying anything of that match. So if any of you, any of you, if I catch any of you coming at me with tweets talking about what he said, he's like Carmelo. No, I'm saying the ways in which he likes to score. Facing up mid-range pull-ups, you know, mid-post, some low-post, you know, turnaround type shots, shots at the elbow, even some of the ways in which he shoots, catch and shoot threes, just kind of reminds me of him that way. Do I think he's going to be that? No. But um, there's 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 a plenty of upside in how you can use him. And as his shot gets better, that's only going to make it that much better when you can consider that you can use him in some in some big type situations, you can use him as a modern four who can play mid post or play you know in between the three in the paint, and then be a guy who can stretch the floor, play pick and pop, play pick and, you know pick and short rolls. Um, so I think there's definitely some versatility, but the key to really unlocking that, um, continuing to open up his handle a little bit more, getting him tighter on his handle, and then of course um, you know improving that three ball. So I think that those will be some, some, some certain keys where you can unlock more of him um, and you can certainly see more of his upside. But, uh, you know, I mean, you know, he excels getting to the, you know, as, as far as scoring around the rim. You know, the size and that length that he has, that natural size that he, you know, that natural pro body that he has combined with a seven-foot wingspan, you want him – as close as close to the rim is is you can get him in terms of what his his skill set is right now, and then you know some of the self creation stuff that he has. You know he'll take tough shots. You're gonna have to learn. You're gonna have to deal with him taking some tough shots at times, and then shots that he should make. You know maybe not falling. I mean there's gonna be you know plenty of that. Um, you know but even you know being able to you know cut off ball. And things of that nature, and find some favorable matches where he can get guys in the deep post or, you know, on the low post and score. I think there's some of that there as well. Um, so there's definitely some versatility, but it's, it's going to take some time to unlock the full picture. Um, and so, yeah, um, you know, I think, uh, you know, I think that the, the pick with him going to the Warriors, I'm interested to see how they'll develop him. Uh, and really unlock that side that side of the floor for him. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll see. Um, all right, so let's move on to right, Magic again, going eight with Franz Wagner. Uh, 
Um, France is, is, is an interesting case for me. Another tw- uh, draft Twitter darling, if you will. Um, let me uh, hold on one second. Okay. Um, you know, I, look, there's there's not much denying um, how good a defender he was at Michigan. Like, technically sound, just smart, closes out, contests, step for step with a lot of guys. Really just a sound defender. Um, shot looks good, even though the numbers don't back it up. Um, he's got a shot that's repeatable, which is great. Um, you know, he's got some touch on his shots, you know, on, on some of the floaters that he can have. Um, so there's a base there to start from offensively. The passing we'll talk about in a second. Um, but for now, I just want to just kind of focus on him as a scorer. Um, doesn't have the frame to really play through contact and really doesn't isn't a guy that accepts contact at this stage. You know, will tend to kind of shy away from it, which results in him taking shots that are going to be tougher in and around the rim and are only going to get tougher uh, as you're faced with better athleticism and more length. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, it's one of these things for me, I think it's going to be really advantageous for him to really get his three ball going. And then as he continues to add some more nuance and, 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 and handle better attacking, you know, off closeouts, being able to, you know, catch and attack uh, with his floater, but also getting to a point where, you know, stop and pop, pull up jumpers, you know, something additional to unlock the necessary need for him to be um, an at-the-rim guy because I don't really necessarily see him being that, um, you know, decent enough athlete, but it's not going to be a guy that's just overly bouncy or just, you know, flushing on guys. Um, certainly a little more finesse to his game than, than power and, 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 and playing over the top of guys. But, um, you know, n- being comfortable putting the ball on the floor as he is, making you know some reads and, and playing even like in pick and roll or just being able to find guys as he's on the move, I think will be helpful. I think a lot of it, though, is he's got to just get comfortable with the player that he is. He's not comfortable going left pretty much at all. Um, he prefers to go right, and he basically has to go right. Uh, he goes left, and things really start to break down pretty quick. Um, you know, so I think for me, there's a lot of offensive limitations, which is why I think it's really going to be important for him to be able to improve his three ball. Again, the shots there, the numbers don't won't say it, but the shots there. Um, and I just think he needs to get better. You know, uh, going not only just to his left, but just being comfortable with the sort of shots he wants to take. I'm always a big believer in knowing where your spots are on the floor and knowing how to get there as, as, as efficiently as you can. And he's just not there yet for me. Um, you know, again, defensively uh, very sound. You know, I don't think he'll have a hard time being uh, a good team defender and a guy who 
can certainly make some performative plays, you know, steals in the passing lane and, you know, a block here and there. Um, you know, but NBA athleticism and speed is completely different. So being able to – he's not a quick twitch athlete. He's not, you know, an overly athletic guy. So containing and, and, and being able to really be sound – against NBA guys is going to look a lot different. Like when you think about guys like a, like a Keon Johnson, for example, he's not as he's not as fundamentally sound defensively as Franz is, but if he needs to adjust, his athleticism allows him to do that. Franz doesn't have a ton of that. So, you know, there's going to be situations where, you know, technique be damned and you need to be able to figure out a way to make up this space and, 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 and you know, reattach. Um, and if you can't, you know, there's going to be times where he's going to get beat. And look, this isn't a, a pick on him. Every young guy is going to get beat. Every young guy has their time frame from when the game at the NBA level slows down. But um, it's certainly more helpful when you have the athleticism that matches what you're going to face. Uh, and Franz, for me, just isn't quite there. Um, so, uh, having said that, now uh, the passing. Um you know, for me, it's, again, it, for me, it goes back to really just being comfortable with who he is. Because when you talk about guys who can play make, when you're comfortable knowing what you can do and when you can do it and what plays to make, it's easier to kind of freestyle a little bit. And, to, and, and when you're being more structured and, and, and being a part of a play and a play breaks down, you can make certain plays because you trust your handle and your playmaking ability. I don't think that's there for Franz yet, and he'll tend to second-guess himself quite a bit. Um, so I think he really, just my biggest thing with him is getting comfortable with who he is and then work and then continuing to work on the skill part of the game in terms of handle because I think the shot will be there, the passing is there. For me, it's just... Being comfortable with who he is, being able to handle, and then putting it all together. And I think once he does, you'll unlock something. Um, that'll be a pretty solid role player um, in the NBA. And so I'm excited to you know to kind of see how he he uh, you know progresses. And um, you know again, we're talking about a guy who defensively was was very good at, at Michigan, high block and steal rate. You know, used his length well, had pretty good lateral quickness. Um, you know, at times, you know, I, I he's he's aggressive defensively in terms of like applying the right pressure, but I don't necessarily see him being aggressive in terms of like physical aggression. Like, there's guys who can just be physically imposing or aggressive that Franz doesn't quite have, at least for me. Um. So, uh, you know, again, that's being nitpicky. Uh, overall, you know, he's a solid prospect. And, um, you know, again, I'm not as high as, you know, the consensus draft Twitter, but I certainly understand why, they, why he is a player that they've enjoyed watching. Um, so from that standpoint, um, you know, overall, I think the, ma- uh, the Magic drafting at 5 and 8, uh, certainly got, you know, some guys that uh, will certainly be able to help them moving forward, uh, and hopefully get and keep them, 
you know, as close to the playoff picture as they can possibly be. So let's move on from Magic. Um, Davion Mitchell at nine to the Kings. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, da, 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 da. Let me uh, hold on a second. Let me pull up the uh, the catch. Hold on. Let me just pull up the Kings here for a second. Da, 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 da. Okay. Um, all right. So theoretically, we've got De'Aaron Fox and Halliburton, kind of as your backcourt. Buddy Heald, uh, who's to know what, what if he's in the picture and whatnot. Um, and then they've got Terrence Davis. Like, I don't know why Davion Mitchell was the need for them here. First of all, let's just let's just clear this out. Again, and I like Davion Mitchell. I've been watching him since he was playing 16U for the Georgia Stars. I've liked him for a long time. But he's he doesn't fit for me in Sacramento. He, listen, he fits in the NBA. Very good defender. Physical, sound, athletic, moves his feet. Good defender. Um, you know the shots coming. He you know he's a good attacker at the rim, and he's always been. I think his his offense. For the way people are talking about his offense, I think it's being well undersold that, oh, well, he's just not going to be able to score. I get that he's not your ideal 6'5 or 6'4, you know, doesn't have some crazy length. Um, <laughs> but I think he'll figure it out offensively. Do I think he's going to be, you know, a go to guy? And that's where the, the, the Donovan Mitchell comparisons fall short for me because Donovan's not the, the 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 defender that I think Davion will be but I don't but Davion's not the offensive player that Donovan is uh and, and, and there's just way too many of these lazy comparisons oh look they both wear 45 <laughs> like you know stop it, it's look it's okay to not have a comparison for a guy it's okay it's all right. Everybody. Who would you compare him to? I'd compare him to Davion Mitchell. How about that? Well, that's not fun. I want to know who he's going to be. Eh, wrong. You want to know who he's going to be? Watch the damn games. Okay. That takes care of that. So, um, I just don't understand the need for Davion Mitchell here for the Kings. Um, you know, I mean, I think, you know, if you wanted a guy who was going to play on the perimeter, you could have went, you know, the, you know, um, the Moutier route. Um, you know, uh, you could have went the Moutier. I think Moody probably would have been, I don't know, why, why did I say Moutier? What the hell am I thinking of? I'm thinking of, 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 of Emmanuel Moutier. Listen to me. Anyway, I'm not editing that out because I want you all to know that sometimes I can be an idiot. Yes, they should have went the Moses Moody route. <laughs> God, what am, what am I? What am I, Kendrick Perkins? What what next? Am I going to be comparing Jonathan Kaminga to, to J fucking Jordan Bell? Anyway, well, that's why I hate comparisons, by the way. So, moving on from that. Um... <laughs> um I, I you know I think that that's the 
probably would have been the pick for them. Or, frankly, they don't have a ready now. They don't have a lot of ready now shot making uh, or shooters on this team. Especially if Buddy Heels not in the long term picture there. Like, there goes, you know, a good deal of your shooting. And I like Halliburton as a shooter, but beyond him, uh, where the hell is their roster at again? I keep. So, Fox isn't really a shooter like that. Uh, Halliburton, you got Harkless, but I mean, there's. I just put it to you like this. I think you you probably be best would have been best going Moody, but that's me. Um, listen, Davion Mitchell isn't a bad selection as a draft pick. It's just number one. I don't necessarily think he needed to go that high, nor should he have gone that high. Um, on the flip side of that, he also doesn't fit as well as other teams that probably could have used his defensive versatility uh, or, or I shouldn't necessarily say versatility, but his, you know, defensive, uh, you know, stop making that he has. Um, I, I just, you know, the fit here for me is, is not, is not ideal. And I'm just not uh, a huge fan because now we're talking about, you've got, if Buddy Heald stays in the fold, you've got Heald, Halliburton, Terrence Davis, Davion Mitchell. You know, even if he takes Terrence Davis's minutes, he's not taking minutes from Buddy Heald and Tyrese Halliburton. You know, and you've got Bagley and Holmes in your front court, so it's not like you can say, well, now, you know, Barnes also may not be in the long-term picture there either. So the thought might be, okay, well, we eventually slide Davion next to De'Aaron. We have a good defensive backcourt, and then we have we, we slide Tyrese over to being more of a, of a small forward, I guess. Um, I just think Moses Moody would have been better. So, uh, by the way, shout-out to Montverde. For God's sake, they had six. I don't know if you understand. They had six guys that at one point suited up for Montbird in this draft that were drafted. Six. Okay. I don't give a damn who you are. Your La Lumiers, uh, all these national powers. Six is impressive. By the way, there's a lot of Florida guys drafted in this shit, too. A lot of guys who play in high school basketball in Florida. I'm not just talking about Montverde. I don't. We don't necessarily count Montverde playing high school basketball in Florida because Montverde's its own planet. I'm talking about every other school. If you're a college coach and you're still not prioritizing Florida, I don't care where you. I don't care if you're on the West Coast. I don't care if you're in the Midwest. If you're not prioritizing Florida, I have been beating this drum for ten years, eleven years. If you're still not prioritizing Florida and you're a college coach, you're fucking up. Anyways, moving on. Um, but yeah, I, I don't. I'm. I you know. I like Davion is is a pick, as a as a as a prospect. I should say. I think his his offense is being crushed. Some of it is for good reason. 
but cr- but crushing the dude uh, and making it seem like well you're just just stalking a score. It's like okay, all right, got it. Um, so I guess just all the way up until now, he's just been zero point a game type. You know, he's just an offensive liability. No, he's best playing off the ball, catch and shoot threes, attack the rim when he can. Um, you know, more of a you know a Lugans Dort type player. You know, L- Lugans is you know more explosive, a bigger you know a little bit bigger you know stronger frame. You know, but I think there's a role similar to that that he can fit in. Now, does that does that does that need to be a guy that you draft top ten? No, not necessarily. Not necessarily. And when you're a team that already has the guys that I mentioned, I don't necessarily know that it's going to be an advantageous pick for you. So I'll move on. Um, Pelicans at uh, ten, getting Zaire Williams. Um, then trading that pick to the Grizzlies. So essentially the Grizzlies are getting Zaire Williams at 10. Um, yeah, I didn't see Zaire going this high. Uh, I love what he can do in terms of uh, some of the shot creation. Um, you know, he didn't have the best shooting season for, for, for Stanford. But I also what I also liked about Stanford was it wasn't all on him. Like if you look, even look at a guy who had some similar stats, like a BJ Boston, right? And I'm not saying that they're similar in terms of prospect or whatever. I'm just saying in terms of just stats, you know, overall physical profile. Um, both had similar stats, and the key difference there is that. You know, BJ is playing for a team in Kentucky that didn't have a true point guard. The team as a whole averaged 12 assists per game. And more often than not, they needed him to be the type of scorer that he just wasn't ready to be. Zaire, by contrast, or by comparison, I should say, is not what was put on a team that was better equipped for him just to be who he is. Um... And so the shooting didn't the shooting you know percentages didn't show it, but in terms of the way in which he can be a fluid shooting you know the fluent shooting motion in which he plays with, uh, the shot creation, you know I think he's a guy I mentioned earlier you know the value in knowing your spots on the floor, I think he's I think he's cognizant of that to a degree, um, you know and he and he can score at all three levels you know he's got pretty good he's got good pop off the floor uh and i think he he can be an ideal wing score for them in their second unit i mean in their second unit you know is known at least by my eyes and i watched a lot of memphis last year their second unit comprised of like your d'anthony melton's and now eric bledsoe's on that team you know even you know last year it was grayson allen in that role but even tyus jones playing you know, in the De'Anthony Melton role, which whichever you know iteration of the De'Anthony Melton, Tyrus Jones, Eric Bledsoe, Zaire Williams, uh, or or I should say Grayson Allen, that you're going to get in your secondary backcourt. Then you combine that with Desmond Bain, uh, Xavier Tillman, you know, former 
Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year, Michigan State. Uh, Brandon Clark, who was more lauded for his athleticism and some of the performative things he can do as a shot blocker at, at Gonzaga. Um, you know, it's 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 one of these things where their second unit was more defensive minded. You know, small ball style, especially when you know Tillman was playing the five. Um, you know, Zaire can come in and 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 at some point within that and. Uh, you know, add some 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 shot creation that I don't necessarily think uh, was there last year. Now Eric Bledsoe will bring more of a, a drive game and improved you know three point shooting that he's you know had in, in, in some spurts here and there. Um, but I think overall his uh, his shot making can certainly be used off off the bench for for this team. Um, you know, so. Outside of that, though, uh, you know, defensively, you know, uh, a lot of the things that I noticed with with young guys, balance and footwork, you know, has too many times where he's off balance, you know, before sliding, turning, containing, you know, not strong enough in those areas, you know, um, you know, help side blocks and, and, and some rim protection stuff because of his length and athleticism. That can be there. That's more of the performative side of things, you know. But, again, you look at the 6'10 length, that's certainly helpful. But I didn't really see anything on, on film defensively that, that really made me feel great. Now, again, the shot making is, is where it's at for him. You know, he's smooth in that area. You know, his handle can be a little stiff at times, getting in and out of his dribble. But for the most part, he's pretty solid in that area. Um, so, I mean, just shot making off the bench – I think will certainly be helpful. I didn't think that I didn't think that that description of that type of player was necessarily um, uh, meant that he should go top ten. Um, I was thinking he was probably going to go late teens, early twenties. But um, you know, one thing I'll say is this: you look up and down this Memphis roster; it's all been achieved by the draft. So far, be it for me to sit here and shit on anything that Memphis has done. Um, they, for me, have become what people assume the Spurs have been the last few years and quite haven't really quite been. Memphis has been that. They've been quietly hitting home runs. And uh, if you haven't been paying attention, I'm not talking about, you know, Ja. Look at the rest of that roster. That's not a roster full of free agents or trades that's a roster full of draft picks. Doesn't mean there's not you know a guy here and there that wasn't. A, I get it. Don't you know? You know don't don't you know don't no. What about this? Don't don't do that. It's mostly a roster of draft picks, and they were in the playoffs. Okay, so far be it for me to sit here and, and, and shit on anything that they do. Uh, they've earned that at least for now from me. So I'll just say this. Um, if the idea was to add more shot making in their uh, in their second unit in hopes that he will um, be able to elevate that um, to a higher degree and eventually become a starter, okay. I'll go along with it for now, and we'll keep an eye on it. Um, and that's really where I'll kind of leave it because, you know, I don't have a crystal ball, and I can't tell you exactly – how it's going to play out for him. 
Um, I know what he can do, but knowing what somebody can do and seeing him work day in and day out to where he's where where he is improving and is improving, and then eventually seeing that translate to the floor are two different things. I'm not privy to that. All I get to do is turn on League Pass and watch the games and figure it out as we go along. So, having said that, um, did not think he was going to go that high, but so be it. Um, Hornets with James Booknight at ten. Um, okay, so I'm gonna get I'm gonna get the uh, the part of this that you know is never really fun for me. I'm you know for me. First of all, I I I enjoy James Booknight. I could turn on any film and watch him play basketball. I enjoy him. Aesthetically, I enjoy it. So, that aside, I'm just gonna I'm gonna eat my vegetables and then go to the main and then go to the meat. The vegetables of it is the thing you don't want to talk about. So, uh, that part of it for me was more of the shot creation for others and the defense. The defense is just a lot of mistakes just in terms of all the little things not staying in a stance easily going for shot you know shot fakes and, and, and being thrown off with a shot fake too many unnecessary fouls you know but he can you know also be off balance um, you know the athleticism is there there's definitely times where he'll, he'll, he'll get down in stance slide his feet well and contain and look like a pretty decent defender. I think he can be turned into that a little bit. Um, you know, so I still have some hopes there. Um, you know, but for me, cleaning up a lot of a lot of that and really just being locked in on that side because let's let's you know let's be honest about it. If it's gonna be him and. Um, LaMelo in the backcourt in Charlotte um, for years to come. Obviously, Terry Rozier is still there. But for years to come, if it's going to be some iteration of, well, and then, of course, you got Devontae Graham. So, you know, if it's going to be some iteration at some point down the road of James Booknight and LaMelo Ball, like that's the potential backcourt of the future for Charlotte two years, three years from now, whatever it is. Um, my hope is in that time he gets better at being comfortable creating for others, driving kicks, just interior passing, um, as well as just being you know locked in on defense because Lamelo is definitely more of the performative side of things in terms of you know he can you know create steals, get in passing lanes, um, but I think. Between one of them, they need to be a guy you can rely on defensively to some level. Not saying either one of them has to be all defense or anything crazy. But there needs to be some reliability on what they can achieve as a defensive backcourt in time. Not today, not game one, just eventually. Um, So, but in terms of what book night can do as a shot creator i'll just say to open that shot selection aside he's going to take some tough shots 
Um, he's going to make some tough shots. But he's got about as ready of a shot-making bag as any any scoring guard in this draft. I mean, he, he can he can he can put it together. He finishes well at the rim. He's got the pull-up stuff in the mid-range. He's got the three-ball. He creates all of his own shots for the most part. You know, he's got some of the catch and shoot stuff, but I mean, it's and he's he's got the you know the wiggle and the handle um, to back back it up too. So, you know, I you know for me, him being able to find ways to score is kind of a given, and you know obviously he is shot up the the mock drafts and. Some people are opposed to that and say, well, look at his defense. Look, you know, look what he doesn't do as a, as a creator for others. And look at some of the tough, top, uh, tough shots he takes, and, and they're quick to cool off on him. I understand that part of it. Um, where I come from is more of the I understand that side of it, but I'm also looking at the fact that when you're talking about guys who are ready to come in and score at the NBA level, you can talk about other guys in the drafts if you'd like. You can, you can have your preferences, whoever it may be, and we'll talk about some of those guys as we go along. But James Booknight is is at the top or, or very close to when it comes to shot creation in this draft, in my opinion, especially among the first-round guys, which, if we're being honest, five years from now, those are going to be the majority of the guys you're talking about anyway. So there's going to be a smattering of some second round guys, maybe a an undrafted free agent here or there that you, you might be talking but for the most part five years from now, the guys you're gonna be talking about in any draft probably gonna be emanating out of the first round. So that being said, um yeah, I mean that's that's where I'm at with with, with Book Knight. Um you know, again, I enjoy watching them on the offensive end. I'm always curious to see what Shot he's going to come up with. Some shots I love. Some shots I'm in awe of. And I'm, some shots I'm just like, okay, that was unnecessary. Um, and there's going to be that. You know, it is it is what it is. All right, let's move on to maybe the, one of the more polarizing <laughs> uh, picks in the, certainly in the lottery, uh, but in maybe in the, enti- in the draft uh, in its entirety. And that's uh, Josh Primo. Going to the San Antonio Spurs at twelve. Look, I I, I like Josh. Um, am I super high on him? Um, not necessarily because I saw him at Alabama more as a catch and shoot guy. Now there are those saying that you know an individual workouts and different things that they saw that made them feel that there was a lot more there. I think certainly. There's more on the offensive side. I think he can be a better finisher than he showed at Alabama. I think he can be a, a little bit better creator than he was at Alabama. So there, so there are things that I've seen on film that I've been intrigued by. Um, I do like him as a catch-and-shoot three-point shooter, but, you know, 38%, while it's nothing to scoff at, isn't, uh, you know, any kind of knockdown numbers or anything like that. But, I th- but he's... He's certainly intriguing and, and fun to watch for me because of not just because of like the age, but sometimes when you watch guys, um, and this can go for a number of guys in any draft, 
but sometimes when you watch guys, there's just a small factor of like, okay, there's something here. There's enough here where you can parse things together and you're like, okay. And this, I'm not just talking about like as upside. It's like you might have a, a certain level more of belief that that person's going to reach closer to their ceiling more so than their floor. And I think that played for the Spurs. I think not only did they see some things that they liked, but they saw some of what I'm describing to you as like, I don't want to call it an it factor because that's that's not that's not that's not a, a fair thing to say. It's just sometimes you watch guys and you're like, oh, okay, there's just something here, and I want to dig and unlock it. I can't always explain it. I really can't. It sounds very vague, and there's definitely nothing analytical about it. I get it. Um, you know, it's like. There's different guys in every draft where that that can be the case. Um, so uh, there there had to have been something that justified, and I'm not I'm not justifying this pick. Again, I mentioned a second ago that you know Memphis has become what we thought the, you know the have always thought the Spurs are, and there's still you, you know you can you can read people's reaction on Twitter as as the Spurs are picking. Oh well, this guy must be saying you know, be something we're we're not expecting. Okay. You know, I think I think we can kind of get off that train a little bit. Doesn't mean they've lost their touch or they don't know what they're doing. I'm not saying that. I'm just simply saying we can put things in context a little bit. Um, but I can also say that, like, if we look at, let me pull up the. Uh, I always like to pull up the roster and kind of toy around a little bit. Let's see. Dejounte, Devin Vassell. You know, DeMar DeRozan's probably not there long term. You still got Derek White, Lonnie Walker, uh, Patty Mills, um, you know. And so, you know, there, there's there's things here where it's like, okay, um, I'm not exactly sure what, um, what the Spurs necessarily were thinking with this pick, um, given all of the wings and, and the focus on shooting that they've tried to have. And then, you know, of course, Keldon Johnson has, has merged quite well for them. Um, so, I mean, I get it. I get it if you hate it, hate, hate the pick. I also get it if you're somebody who's, like, in, really intrigued by him. And not because of where he was drafted, but just in general. I get both sides of it. I really do. Um, I'm 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 super curious now to see how he develops. Um, I just think for me, given again, if Dejounte's you know in, in in the fold there long term, Derek White, Lonnie Walker, Devin Vassell, you know again I'm not including Demar Derozan in this because I don't think so, but in. There's, I mean, Lonnie was making what sixteenth, something like that. Eighteenth, twenty eighteen, eighteenth. So, you know, <laughs> between Derek White, Patty Mills, Dejounte Murray, Lonnie Walker, you know, where, 
again, again, I don't, I don't uh, gloss over the fact that this is probably more of a long-term play. It's not, uh, you know, just well, he's going to be getting minutes day one. Like obviously, he's going to see some G League time and so on and so forth. Um, and I'm excited to see what he does down there in the G League. Um, all I can say is I, I kind of get it, but I'm also much like a lot of you was very surprised by the pick. Um, definitely was okay with him being, you know, late first and somebody saying, Hey, let's take a young guy and, and try to develop him. And, you know, we liked some of the things we saw shot wise, you know, we liked some of the flashes we saw maybe as a creator and just as a guy who can, you know, do some other things. But I, yeah, I, I, you know, it's, um, it's hard to know without actually speaking to somebody and, and the people who, uh, essentially decide to make that decision. It's hard to know. So I'm, I'm extremely curious, like probably a number of you are to see exactly what he turns into. And I'm sure there's a lot of people who are, can't wait to, to push the button of, I told you so as far as oh that wasn't a, a you know, worthy pick. So, um, <laughs> you know, either somebody is going to, you know, be eating humble pie in terms of the people who were willing to want wanting to push that button to say, we told you so that was a bad pick or, you know, the people who, who are super intrigued and super high on them who are ready to say, no, no, we told you so. Um, I'm not ready to call it a bad pick. Cause I am, I am one of the people who is very intrigued with Josh. Do I think, he, do I expect him to go 12? Do I think he should have went in the lottery? No. And no. Um, so before you think I'm one of these people, it's like, well, let me figure out a way to like flip this into the Spurs. Just might be magical geniuses again. I'm not doing that. Um, so in any event, um, those are my thoughts on that pick. Moving on to the Pacers at 13 with Chris Duarte. Um, you know, Chris being what 24 years of age. I look. I don't. You know, I, I don't tend to be somebody who gets caught up in age. I think. As I've watched the draft over the years and, and and really tried to dive more into the NBA draft, it seems to me teams are more willing to draft and get guys who might be a little bit older, sure, but are are ready to go. Because, like, let's say you're the Pacers. You're already a team that is probably going to make the playoffs. So what sense does it make to go drafting guys at this point that are upside plays? Like, you're trying to make the roster better. And if you've got a lottery pick, you know, um, would I have preferred Moody going to the Pacers? Yeah. But, you know, I could have seen Moody going seventh. I could have seen Moody going sixth. I could have seen Moody going, you know, eighth, fifth, you know. So I'm, you know, I'm in that camp of he could have went much higher. Um, so anybody who goes in front of them, I might be able to put together a reasonable argument as to why you should have taken them. So in any any event, um, I like Chris Duarte. I really do. Um, you know, an excellent rim finisher, can pull up in the mid-range, good catch and shoot. You know, he's got some of the step backs and a timely cutter. Like he's just, he's engaged on both ends, which is what I like, you know isn't some 
freak of nature athlete, only comes in with a plus one wingspan, you know. But there's something about his pace in which he tries to score, doesn't necessarily get sped up, has the footwork and the shot fakes, for, you know, to create his own shot attempts, you know, has some solid interior passing ability, um, you know, an active and engaged team defender. Um, I, you know, just a guy that I felt like as I was watching more film on him, uh, that I just felt comfortable that the fact that, like, this is a guy that can come in and find a way to contribute, you know, and, and, and do it in a way that isn't requiring him to have the ball, isn't requiring somebody to run plays for him, isn't requiring, isn't a high-maintenance situation. It's just come in and hoop. Um, and so... You know, you know, in Indiana, you've got Malcolm Brogdon and Karis LeVert in that backcourt. McConnell, Sumner is, is, is made a nice, uh, had some nice moments last season for them. You know, Lamb's there. So, I mean, it's 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 crowded for sure. Um, but I think at some point, Duarte can, can kind of figure out a way to, you know, depending upon who's on the roster to, to slide in and, and make some minutes. Um, and I think you're you're putting in a guy that um, you know is ready to go for the most part day one. So I thought it was a pretty solid pick. Um, was it the best pick they could have made? No, not by my estimation. But it's not a pick I am highly for or highly against. I'll put it that way. Um, all right. So I uh, mentioned. Moses Moody at 14. I've mentioned Moses quite a bit, so I think it's pretty clear how I feel about him as a prospect to a certain degree. But we'll uh, we'll go through the exercise anyway um, of, of discussing him. You know, I think in terms of efficiency, I don't. You know, I'm not. I wasn't always a fan of all the shots he took, but this guy can make some shots, like a tough shot maker. Um, puts the ball on the floor, good and catch and shoot. You know, I just, I mean, I liked the fact that, you know, even if he took a shot you didn't like, as you watch more film on him, you thought, eh, it might still go in. Whereas other guys, when they take tough shots, you're like, man, that's probably just a bad shot. Um, and I'm sitting there like, okay. It was not a ton of wiggle. He's not going to just blow by guys. He's a good athlete uh, for the most part. You know, I think uh, one thing I, I do like when you talk about him offensively is he's comfortable scoring in different areas on the floor. Like, you're not going to put him in an area on the floor where he's just out of water. Um, you know, again, you're going to have to be okay with him probably forcing some shots in there. But again, when you're a rookie uh, and you're coming in and you're already playing with guys like, you know, Clay and Steph, you know, the shot attempts, once you do work your way high enough up in the lineup, aren't going to be there in, in, in plentiful anyway. 
So I think his efficiency will show itself more in the NBA than maybe it did in times. Um, you know, if you just watched an average game of Arkansas, and that's not to say he's not efficient because he is. And I think that's I think that's the 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 trick that the the film can play on you is that you're like, okay, I didn't like that shot, I didn't like that shot, but then you see him make like two or three other shots, and then you know eventually you get towards the end of the game, you're like, all right, you know, it wasn't a bad shooting game, and you look at it as a whole, and it really wasn't that bad. You have to really consider it in terms of the types of shot he's taking and not necessarily just look at it from a field goal like six attempts or excuse me, uh, six makes, 15 attempts, uh, you know, that type of thing. You really have to look at the individual shots with Moses and discern, well, shit, he hit that and that was tough. Yeah, he missed that and he was a little open. You know what he was he was guarded on that one, maybe that shouldn't so you know, there there's some balance and nuance in there that you really I think for me that you really have to watch the film, but I think when you do, you get excited about the versatility in which he can have as a shot maker. Um You know, that's definitely in his DNA. Um he's a very good pos- uh, positional rebounder, doesn't shy away from contact. Uh, absorbs the contact, you know, pretty well. Timely cuts, you know, draws contact, gets to the foul line a very good amount. Um, defensively, you know, has a seven foot wingspan. Lateral quickness isn't, you know, the greatest thing you'll watch, but it's not bad. Has enough size and athleticism really to, you know, contain and contain and contest, you know. He's definitely going to obviously encounter guys like a lot of these guys are going to encounter. Guys who are just, you know, going to be better athletes and, and be able to, you know, either get by them with, you know, speed, handle, and just quickness. Um, but I think overall, like, uh, not a bad positional defender and an excellent shot maker. And, uh, you know, the term 3 and D is overly used (laughs) you know I mean it just is Uh, at the same time though he is if you're if you're wanting to put a player into that mold uh, he fits about as well in that mold as just about anybody in this draft so I mean there's definitely better scorers in this draft there's better guys defensively in this draft like you could say Keon you know Keon Johnson better defender but he's not the better shot maker you know, um, you know, you can go and look at maybe some better natural scores, maybe like a Cam Thomas, and say, well, he's a better natural score. Well, yeah, I mean, he's kind of been that for a very long time. Um, I don't necessarily know if I would do that with Josh Christopher, but you know, some people would, to a degree. But you know, I think overall, if you're needing. A guy who's truly going to fit that 3 and D kind of mold. Uh, Moses is about as good as you're going to find in this draft. So, good on uh, good on Golden State for doing the thing that I think uh, a handful of teams are going to wish they had done when we get two, three years down the road. Maybe even a year down the road. Who knows? It just depends on the opportunity that is 
available to him. Uh, assuming that that team's fully healthy, uh, there may not be a ton of opportunity, but there'll certainly be some. So, uh, all right, Wizards. Um, going from one guy who I think is NBA-ready for sure to another guy who I think is definitely NBA-ready in Corey Kispert. Um, you know, I think the fair comparison that I've liked throughout this is kind of a, a Joe Harris type where, you know, just a shot maker. You know, a guy who's ready to be a shot maker at an NBA level. Um, I think that's I think that's fair, and that's an easy thing. That's a, that's a comparison I don't mind. Because, number one, we're not comparing him to somebody he shouldn't be compared to. And it's, it's a reasonable comparison compared to his ceiling and his floor. So I think when you're, when you're talking about Corey Kispert, certainly a knockdown shooter. Can, you know, he can attack his closeouts with a floater. He can get to the rim. See, to me, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not always about, um, you know, how far away you can shoot the ball. When you're at the NBA level, you got to be able to get rid of it. And so to me, I always tell people, like, look, range is cool, but at the NBA level, a quick release is even cooler. If you got a quick, accurate release, every team needs you, wants you, you'll have a job for a long time. Corey Kispert has both. I don't care if he can shoot out to the logo. He can shoot a three behind that behind that line. Quickly, accurately, that's all I need. So, you know, when you look at it from Washington's standpoint, you're picking 15 right outside the lottery, and you're able to get a guy who can come in and help you day one. So to me, there's no losing in that. That's being able to get a guy that can come in, help you day one, be a solid team defender, be a good shooter. Um, you know, Davis, you know, Davis Bertans obviously had some injury situations. Kyle Kuzma comes in on a trade. Um, Caldwell Pope, obviously. So I mean, you know, there's not going to be ready-made minutes for Kispert, but when he does get in, you know what his job and his role is. Simple as that. And, and, and look, I said it last year, and I'll say it again. Um, you know, this team with Gafford, Hachimura, we'll see what it looks like with Kuzma being added into the fold. But Beal, now obviously this is a team that went from having a point, you know, a lead guard, we'll call it, point guard with, you know, when it was Sean Wall, lead guard when it's with, you know, you're talking about, um, you're talking about Russell Westbrook. Then they go from having those two to having Raul uh, Neto and then having Aaron Holiday. I'm interested, honestly, to see what you know Aaron Holiday can do with some more minutes. I was really um, kind of disappointed in the fact that he didn't get a ton of minutes um, or enough minutes in Indiana. Now, again, I'm not privy to practice and a lot of things that don't get shown. Uh, obviously, the only things I'm seeing are the games, so... You know, maybe there's a rhyme and a reason to it, but um, you know, I'm definitely interested to see what he might be able to do uh, in Washington. But um, you know, as far as the draft pick of Kispert's concerned, I'm good with it. Um, 
you know, uh, if Bertans is obviously not in the lineup, I'm looking at the rest of this lineup to really try to figure out where the consistent three-point shooting is going to come from, and there's there's not a lot here. I mean, Bradley Beal can do just about any, anything he wants. So I'm, I'm not when I say that I'm not thinking of him. I'm looking at the rest of the roster. So, you know, you get an NBA ready guy who can knock down shots. I really can't, you know, frown on that decision by any means, by any stretch of the imagination. So I'm good with it. Um, some of these guys, as you know, some of these guys I've talked about more in terms of uh, fit, in terms of how I just discussed Kispert, and some of it I've talked about it in terms of things I've liked, didn't like, and as we're getting further into the podcast, I'm, re- I'm realizing, like I do quite a bit, I'm just getting long on a lot of this, so I'm trying to shorten it up with a lot of the, uh, you know, a lot of the strength and weakness talk, so, you know, as we, as we, uh, as we go along, I'll try to be as, as, as analytically sound as I can be for you. Obviously, I have that, but I don't. Uh, in terms of time, I gotta keep in mind that I can listen to me talk all day, but you can't. So, beyond fifteen, we go to uh, sixteen with the Rockets. Uh, was the Thunder, but they traded that pick to the Rockets, and they eventually get Alprin Sangoon. I believe that's how you say or Sangoon uh, is. It? pretty close to how you say it so uh in any event um you know i think let me pull up uh, some stuff here on, on him so as of as of the draft he's now 19 um date of birth july 25th 2002 so he's 19 now. Um, you know, he's got a lot of things on the interior that you like. He's got some touch, got the footwork, got some patience, um, got some post counters. Um, you know, and he's he's on film. He was pretty confident. I mean, when you're getting a guy like, 6'10", 6'11", who's playing center for you, who's taking step-back corner threes. Like, he's just, legitimately, there's a there's a clip in his film. If you go on our YouTube and look at his film, if you watch it long enough, you'll eventually see a clip of him taking step-back threes uh, from the corner. You don't normally see that uh, overseas with bigs. Uh, the athleticism's pretty good, um, you know. Time and space, like a lot of these guys, if you can, uh, you know, load up and, and you can, there's some 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 good athleticism on film with him. You know, he's averaging essentially a double double playing over in Turkey, and you know, depending upon what you think of the skill level in uh, in in that league this year, you know, plenty of smart people I know that will tell you that uh, wasn't always very good. And there's different reasons for that. It's not just the league in general, but um, you know, COVID was not kind to a lot of overseas teams, or excuse me, overseas leagues. So keep that in mind. But um, 
you know, I thought he had pretty good hands, pretty soft touch, you know, pretty good pop off the floor. Not, you know, nothing great to write home about, but pretty good. Again, time and space makes makes a whole lot of difference for a lot of these guys. Um, but, you know, I think, uh, you know, I, th- I thought that there were some possibility for him uh, in terms of pick and roll, um, some stuff around the rim. The three-point shooting uh, really isn't there in droves at all. And, um, you know, shoots it well from the free throw line, which, you know, anybody, you know, people try to tell you that's like the best indicator of, of, of a guy, you know, can, you know, from a shooting shooting percentage standpoint, if a guy can actually shoot uh, from from the three and it, you know, at, at the next level. But I, you know, I just thought that was just overstating a bunch of bullshit. Um, there's some truth to it, but it's like, look, man, like, you know, <laughs> you know, the free throw line, you don't have somebody running at you trying to, you know, keep you from missing the damn thing. So, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, there, there's, there's, a, there's tools here. A lot of it still needs to be put together, and how well it's going to look at the NBA level to me is, is still a wait and see. There's no, there's no questioning he's got, he's got talent. How well it all looks at the NBA on the NBA floor is what I'm going to be curious by. If you told me that he was going to be, you know, pretty good NBA center who could go in, get you some buckets, uh, you know, stretch the floor a little bit, um, you know, and uh, play some pick and roll, some pick and pop, um, be a, you know, a solid enough, sound enough rebounder, you know, and said that he was going to be a capable backup. Okay. All right. You know, I could, I could see that and believe that. Um, but then, you know, there's a lot of talk about, well, you know, he had such great numbers playing over in Europe. They were, you know, historical and this and that. And it's like, okay, I, you, look, I'm, I'm not one to be skeptical because guys are coming from over, from overseas. I don't, I, you know, at all. If you can play, you can play. There's just, there's a lot of it that I'm just wondering if it all translates as high as the NBA level, meaning if he's highly productive overseas, that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be highly productive over here. And I'm just curious to see exactly what that's going to manifest into here. Um, you know, so I think, uh, you know, again, you talk about a guy that's two feet in the paint, confident, Shows footwork, counters, finishing ability. I think he shot somewhere around 68% on his two-point attempts. You know, but he can take some tough shots. You know, unnecessary fadeaways in the post at times. Um, just different shots that even I'm, like, going back and looking at now while I'm talking to you. Um, but then again, there's definitely some shots in there where it's like, okay, there's some touch there footwork there like there's a lot of flashes that you're just like okay that's that's nice 19 year old kid all right got it we've got a very interesting base how sound it is is what i question how sound and then how much of it 
can be impactful at the NBA level. Um, because playing where he's playing at, where was playing at in Turkey, he could take whatever shot he basically wanted. You know, um, he could put the ball on the floor whenever he wanted. He could take you know step back threes when he wanted, pick and pop threes. You know, create in the paint. I mean, all these little flashes of things that he's capable of on film, playing where he played. I'm just wondering how much of it's going to translate over here. I'm not skeptical. I'm just, I'm very curious. Like, come start of the season, like, when he's playing, I want to watch. Uh, I'm, intri- I'm I'm really intrigued by him more, more so than anything, if you can't tell. Um, you know, I didn't see a lot in terms of passing that I cared for. You know, I looked at a lot of his turnovers, a lot of his clips, you know, his turnover clips, and, you know, a lot of it came in the form of, you know, passing turnovers, post-passing, interior passing, you know, tended to force passes that just either weren't there or just were poor reads on his part. Um, just n- not seeing the floor, reading the floor very well. Um, you know, on defense, you know, had some decent lateral quickness here and there. You know, the athleticism we talked about, but it didn't really uh, – it didn't really uh, that that whatever you think of his athleticism didn't really translate in terms of anything even performative uh, enough for me to really be excited. Um, you know, he definitely had clips where he could block shots and move. You know, coming over and help. You know, when he's already in position. Um, definitely more of a drop defender. You know, on film. You know giving himself and or being given enough time to you know read and react um you know and with that you know he could be in the right position more often than not based on the film that i watched and um, provide some pretty good help um you know but none of it really like because again I, I'm, I'm keeping in mind like level of competition and looking at the guys that how they're moving versus, you know, what he's doing. And I'm just thinking, okay, you know, this is good, great at this level. Um, but it's just very int- intriguing to think about what it's going to look like at the next. Um, doesn't have a ton of length. Um, I thought, let me let me see if I can pull up his uh, – this is going to be unofficial because I don't – think there was anything officially measured on him uh, that I can recall and I didn't know anything I don't know why I didn't but I didn't um, this segment is brought to you by being unprepared when you're unprepared you end up having a lot of awkward silence on a podcast all right. Uh, do, 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 do. Okay. Alperin Singone. Uh, wingspan. Let's see if there's anything out there that looks remotely. Okay, there's a lot of stuff being. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean. 
six nine, six ten with a seven one. Okay, so better than I was remembering because I thought I remembered it being reading somewhere it was like six six ten, six eleven. So relative to a size. Um, still, I mean, you know, if it's if it's legitimately seven foot, because keep in mind this wasn't measured at the um, measured at the combine, so there's nothing official out there that I can read from. I'm just reading off of a couple different sites that I think might be relatively reliable, um, just in terms of places that uh, I know actually scout versus you know your uh, your SBN Nation type websites that want to gush over these guys because they now belong to the team that draft you know uh, you know uh, the team that they're covering that, that, that you know this player was drafted to so now they've got to try to make it seem like oh this is a great pick and you know in any event um yeah so i'd have to get something official but if, if, it, if it's at least seven foot then that's that's fine um I mean, obviously, you know, if, if he's going to be a five, you wouldn't want it to be anything less than that. Because I mean, you've got you've got plenty of guys who can play, you know, threes and fours that have damn near six ten, six eleven. So if you're going to be a five, you know, you 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 should have about a seven foot wingspan today's in today's game. You know, smaller ball guys like he's probably going to end up, you know, being a, you know definitely some small small ball type five. You know, and I think there's going to be some – in a small ball situation, there would be more opportunity for him, I think, to be able to use some of that footwork and some of those counters and, and some of the back-to-the-basket stuff. Um, and as he gets more comfortable being able to kind of you know, put the ball on the floor, you know, against maybe some lesser defenders um, who may not be able to challenge him as, as much on his handle. Um but you know, I, I, again, a lot of this sounds like skepticism coming from me. It's it's not. I mean, there's there's a there's a lot of things on film and flashes to like about him, um, even defensively. You know, between things like anticipation, some of the shot blocking, being in the right place, providing you know certain help, and it's like all right. But a lot of that's again performative. How much of it, when you talk about lateral quickness, being able to turn your hips and and really defend NBA level athletes, is really going to uh, translate and and then again offensively, you know, not being able to reliably stretch the floor at this point, um, not being a guy that's you know seems to be too much of an adept passer, definitely more has been given more of the green light to score, which isn't necessarily going to be the case in the NBA level. Um, how much of how much of all of this that's good and bad is going to play out? Um, and for me. Uh, you know, I'm more curious than I am assured. Um, because, again, as much as there is to like, there's a lot of stuff that gives you cause for pause. So, in any event, um, moving on to... <clears throat> excuse me. To the Grizzlies at... Uh, Pick 17. Um, by the way, if you're somebody who is commenting on the channel and you're leaving comments like trash, 
on guys that trust me. Regardless of how bad you think that they are, first of all, you're probably not qualified to call them bad, let's be honest. But just always keep in mind, even if you're going to call a guy who hasn't made it to the NBA or played it, played a, one game in the NBA just yet, uh, trash, um, I can tell you this. Any of these guys, even the guys I'm skeptical on, will absolutely, 100%, wash you. Well, they should. Well, if they should, it's like you could take the worst boxer in the world. I'm not going to walk up to that guy and be like, you know what? You don't have knockout power. Because you know what? To a guy who's got an iron chin, he may not have knockout power. But for my ass... He's probably got just enough. So, you keep that in mind when you want to sit there and be like, well, you're the 12th guy on the, off the bench. Like, okay, you know what? Go fuck yourself. Especially when you're going to talk about guys who haven't even stepped foot in the league yet. That, that, that's shit. And that's automatically going to get you blocked on the channel. I don't give a damn. I don't, you know. I wouldn't care if you were paying for access to the channel. I'd still block you. And I'd, whatever, I'd gladly not take the $15 a month or whatever the hell it was. Whatever. I don't need that shit on the channel. So if you're going to be one of those people, please know. Your comment's going to be erased. You're going to be blocked. And uh, that's all there is to it. And I've had to do it. I And I always have to do it. Every week. I've got something I need to erase. Somebody I need to block. Because you get these analysts that want to jump on the channel and 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 kill these guys because oh he's terrible thanks that's really helpful anyway reason i bring that up because as i'm sitting here my phone buzzes and uh i'm thinking it might be something important because i'm kind of paying attention to my phone for a particular reason and uh so i look and see what it is and it's just a stupid youtube comment like come on you don't have anything better. It's it's literally right now. It's ten forty three at night on a Sunday. You either must be unemployed or extremely bored or extremely lonely. One of the one of the three. Relax. Anyway, uh, the Grizzlies seventeen with Trey Murphy. Um, going to the Pelicans. I you know look again talking about guys who have an immediate NBA fit. Trey Murphy uh, is another guy for me that um, I was happy to see him rise up on draft boards um, because I thought uh, you know this was somebody that coming out of uh, you know that Virginia style of play they've always tended to have a wing that looks to have that NBA prototype wing you know can shoot off the catch can tack closeouts. Um, you know, relatively quick to lease, uh, you know, moves about the ball, cuts are, you know, excellent, you know, different things. And then being able to come in, um, you know, and defend with good lateral quickness. You've got the length. He's got a seven foot wingspan, um, can guard on the move, make plays on the move, active, alert, um, you know. There's a there can there's certainly little things with Trey Murphy that certainly can be better you know as 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 he you know continues to mature reading reacting uh, at the NBA level but um, 
you know, being able to fit in a role where he can shoot off the catch, guard multiple positions, game slows down, being able to read and react better, make make defensive plays, but also be in the right position, be able to play off the ball on the offensive end, you know, make timely cuts, you know, get out a glue guy, but also who can be a three and D guy. Um, I think Trey Murphy can find his way into that role. Um, so that is a uh, reason why I'm not spending a ton of time. I'm just going to try to get through these as best as possible. Um, Thunder at 18, uh, select Trey man. Um, bring up Oklahoma City again real quick. All right, so um, you know I you know I've again Trey uh, is another Florida high school kid, and so I've had the opportunity to watch him basically since his freshman year as well. And he's always been um, a fun shot creator to watch. Um, you know, I certainly would like to see him continue to evolve as a creator for others. I think he's got a you know a good enough handle to find ways to do that. Um, showed it in flashes here and there, some pick and roll stuff and whatnot at Florida. But you know, for the most part, I think that's a part of his game that can be explored even more. Um, you know, and at this stage in the draft, you're really just hoping to find guys that you know uh, can come off of your bench um, and be guys who can either fit a specialty um, you know within your second unit um, so I think you know for the most part in, in terms of scoring he can do that you know Theo Maladon did that pretty well Lugan Stewart has done that pretty well um, but there's not much else in terms of you know shot creation opportunities um, you know outside of those two and so, you know, I think for me, um, you know, I've liked Trey Mann as, as far as a shot creator in this, in this draft. Um, not incredibly, incredibly high on him, but I, I like enough of his shot creation to um, be all right with him as a, as a top 20 draft pick, um, certainly. If I really look at the entirety of the rest of the first round, um, you know, you could you could you could argue a Bowens Highland. I'm I'm probably a little more partial to maybe Cam Thomas, depending upon if you're simp if you're strictly looking for a scorer. Um, Jaden Springer, you know, um, so. Yeah, I mean, there's some, some, some guys behind them that, 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 that certainly could have gone that way. But, again, you know, again, as I've mentioned, there's not a lot of two-way guys and, and a lot of guys who are going to make a huge impact, uh, uh, an impact on both ends of the floor in this draft. And, furthermore, there's not a lot of guys that are just coming in with, you know, beyond one NBA skill that's going to allow them to to play at this level, um, you know Trey's Trey's superpower coming in is being able to create shots and score. So, um, 
you know, there's certainly some guys I could have foreseen, you know, going ahead of him. Um, but in any event, um, the Thunder have been a team that, uh, I'll say this, the Thunder have been a team that um, I've learned to learned to have uh, some 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 uh, some respect for in terms of who they draft. I'm always intrigued and um, interested to see how it's going to come come to fruition. So I'm glad for Trey on that on that front. Um, glad on, on another front to see another uh, another young man that I've watched for a long time get to this stage and, and be able to have this opportunity. So from that standpoint, all is well with me. Um, you know, I think, uh, you know, again, there's just, there's, there's still a lot to be desired out of his game. So, again, that's, it's why you're not getting a whole lot of, um, I'm excited for this pick type of thing. I mean, there's, like I say, there's guys drafted after, after him that I might have, I definitely probably would have taken a, a look at. Um, but at the end of the day, it is what it is. Um, all right, so the Knicks uh, trade their draft pick at 19 to the Hornets. Hornets and select Kai Jones out of uh, Orlando Christian Prep. Excuse me, uh, <laughs> out of Texas. Um, another Florida, another Florida uh, player, uh, high school, and um, you know eventually went to Brewster Academy and whatnot. So some of you may know him from that if you followed him at all at the high school ranks, but. Uh, he was here with us first, folks. Orlando Christian Prep was about fifteen, about ten minutes up the road from me. So good on him for that. And, and also, you know, Nasir Nasir uh, Little, who was uh, over with Portland, played there as well. So good high school, uh, multiple times, you know, state champion, uh, long history of state championships at uh, Orlando Christian Prep. So just figured I'd. Mention that since I'm giving a lot of Florida plugs in this draft because I'm just super excited to see a lot of these guys get opportunities. Um, so anyway, um, talking about Kai Jones from a from a because uh, look, I have uh, a lot of love and not love with Kai Jones. Um, I'll I'll start with defense because I think that's where some people may assume a lot out of on that side versus what's the reality. So, uh, looking at the film, I'm not I'm not always very impressed with his lateral quickness. Um, how quickly you know be able to turn his hips, being able to stay low, slide his feet, ready to go when a guy's you know ready to attack the rim. Um, you know, obviously his wingspan and his and the pop that he can have off of the floor can all be an asset for him to erase any mistakes that he, uh, you know, allows for himself because maybe he gets beat off off or he takes the wrong angle or he doesn't close out well enough. Um, so he's he's got an eraser in terms of his wingspan. Um, but I think it's going to be extremely important for him. I mean, it's important for anybody who plays in the NBA, but guys who can really learn to anticipate, read, and react, especially when you have, uh, you know, physical tools that not everybody has, 
developing those that area of your game um, is super helpful because the more you're in the right position, the more you can make those plays with from a performative standpoint with your length and your athleticism. Um, and there's just a lot of times where either he might not be in the right position or um, maybe it's a situation where, again, he's not low, he's not sliding his feet well enough. Um, and a lot of that can be, you know, improved upon over time. And there's certainly times where he does do those things fairly well. Uh, but there's still plenty of hit and miss in that situation. Um, so defensively, there are going to be some people on paper that are going to be excited about him. Um, you know, but I wouldn't necessarily say excitement is is fair at this point. There's there's just a lot to drill down on um, and correct and evolve in before you can really get excited on that side of the ball. Um, now, in terms of offense, you know, him being a lob target, uh, corner three point shooting. You know, these things, I think, can be um, areas in which he can, you know, either be decent at in terms of the, the corner three-point shooting or good at when you're talking about being a lob target. Um, you know, not a big-time, uh, you know, athlete in terms of pop, but, again, just enough to where, you, again, you combine it with his length um, always going to be a lob target, um, you know. But uh, in terms of you know having a preference uh, and what else he wants to do, um, you know, I think it'd be even helpful for him at times where you know he can be used as a cutter. Um, you know, he'll take he'll want to take the mid range pull ups at times that just aren't there for him just yet. But I like the fact that he's willing to take them. Um, but it's just not there. Um, you know, his handling, his decision making, you know, making decisions on the move, you know, all areas that were pretty common when it came to him committing turnovers. You know, the common themes. Um, you know, court court awareness as well. You know, just again being being aware of where to be in the right situations. Um, you know, but again, the physical tools is something that uh, can help him at times. But you know, there's not uh, there's not a lot right now that is just going to be off the charts, immediate NBA translation. It's a lot of little bit of this here and there, this there. It's like, okay, use this length, got a got a block on the move, cool. Transition into the floor pretty well. Got a dunk. Got it. Comes back down. You know, gets gets in a switch on a guard. You know, gives up a layup. You know, because, again, maybe doesn't slide his feet well enough. And then another possession, another deep possession comes. And he's able to slide his feet just enough because he's able to get the right angle. You know, start back far enough, uh, you know, at, at, uh, and and cut his man off to where some of that will will can play out well for him. But I think overall, um, you know, it's one of these deals where uh, 
there's a lot of little things that need to still be put together. Um, a lot of raw ability. Kai has always had a lot of raw, raw ability, and some of that has started to, to turn the corner in terms of his three-point shooting. Um, you know, comfort. You know, pulling up and taking jumpers. You know, running the floor and being able to be. You know, use some of the performance instinctual stuff to block and contest shots. Like, again, there's there's a lot of nice flashes, but um, it there's there's still so much to be pieced together and, and before the whole game comes to. But I'm somebody that coming into this draft has been reasonably. Um, uh, having reasonable expectations of what his upside can be. Um, if you told me that, uh, you know, he was going to end up being uh, a rotation guy that's coming off the bench, wouldn't surprise me. Um, if you also told me that at some point he could turn the corner and be, you know, a fairly decent starter, on a non-playoff team, I could see that too. Um, so again, there's just—I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot that needs to be put together, and it's just—it's uh, not all—it's not all there yet. And it's—it's it's one of these one of these things where, again, raw ability and flashes—you um, know—that takes time, and so. In any event, uh, we move on to pick 20 by the Hawks, um, Jalen Johnson. Um, Jalen, for me, going from someone who is more raw in Kai Jones to Jalen Johnson, who I think is more ready-made. Um, you're talking about a guy at his size, 6'9", 220, with his wingspan that, um, you know, comfortable handling the ball, comfortable shooting off the catch, you know, comfortable creating his own shot, uh, at least on the drive and whatnot. Um, you know, I think some of his passings, you know, in terms of like, you know, people who just would would gush over his passing. I, you know, I, I'm not one of those. I think, you know, I think he makes he makes the simple look simple as he needs to. And then there's other passes where you're like, okay, that was nice. You can, you know, uh, that skip pass, seeing, you know, seeing that, seeing that pass from the post, good on you. But I think a lot of it's, you know, we're we're making it seem as if like, you know, he's out here just, you know, making one-handed skip passes uh, on the regular, and I just think some of it's just being oversold. Um, but I mean, certainly a good passer. I'm not gonna sit here and 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 gush and you know but um you know this is a team that is going to have John Collins coming back Danilo Gallinari has been there um I'm not I'd have to look up Solomon Hill's situation with them and how long that's going to last but there's certainly some guys here and I think obviously Jalen Johnson's more adept to playing you know the floor you know uh what you would consider the four, right? So, you know, again, I like it. I like the pick. Um, I thought he probably could have gone higher. 
Um, you know, obviously, I don't know what all of the you know when you look at. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't have any intel on them or any of these guys for the most part. Uh, some guys, yes. Some guys, no. Um, but uh, you know, I don't know what would have really caused him necessarily to slide this far back. Because um, I just thought, you know, just in terms of modern NBA, um, unless you just didn't believe in his defensive versatility enough to combine with um, some of the things offensively, like, uh, you know, offensively, it's, it's, um, it's not a situation where, uh, you know, he's got anything that's like a go-to. You know, limited number of three-point attempts, but he shot 44%. But he also shot 63% from the foul line. You know, he's comfortable playing in the mid-post, facing up and driving, passing, shooting from those areas. Um, you know, can shoot, you know, around, around the baseline, on the fades, at the nail. Um, again, we mentioned the passing. You know, I thought he was pretty productive just in terms of scoring and rebounding. Um you know, seems to certainly have a nose for the ball a little bit in terms of um, being able to collect rebounds. Um, you know, but there wasn't anything that, like, I, I, I think he's one of these guys that falls into a category for me that's good at a lot, but nothing's, like, standout-ish. Now, the defensive versatility could be that. Um, and if you're really high on his passing, it could be that. Um, you know, there were certainly defensive clips that I've watched um, of him and games I've watched of him where his defense was pretty stout. Um, you know, but um, you know, it's also one of these things where you know his length and his read and react time on defense was also good, along with some of the performative things he can do from a blocks and steals standpoint. So, I don't know necessarily that there would have been teams that may not have been as as reasonably high on his defense. So, I can only surmise that maybe it was just the offense. You know, looking at the free throws and saying, well, limited threes, so he maybe doesn't stretch the floor reliably. And then if he's just a mid-post or low-post guy, that's not really what our game is about. And then when we look at his handle, it's good especially for his size, but is he going to be a guy that's going to have the ball in his hands and able to play pick and roll for us? No. And in Atlanta? No. Um, so I would I would surmise that Atlanta was probably giddy when he fell to them because they were probably like, oh, we can get a guy that had top 10 talent who's versatile defensively, who can, who can also do some other things on offense that um, – Especially if Atlanta is is in the camp that they believe in his shot and what it can be. Um, especially when you're in practice every day with guys like Bogdan and Herter and Trey. You know. Um, <laughs> yeah, at some point. And Danilo and Cam Reddish. Like, you, know, you got guys who are, are comfortable taking threes. At some point, you know. Even if your shot's not really quite there behind closed doors, 
it can get there. So I was a little taken aback that he uh, fell to 20. So I'm just curious as to what the uh, the reasoning behind it was. But all right, um, the Knicks trade their draft pick at 21 to the Clippers. They eventually take Keon Johnson. I, look, I'm I I I like Keon Johnson. I do. Uh, you know, let's let's put the athleticism aside for a second, and we'll talk about that because I mean it's 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 not just noteworthy. It's it's excellent. It's it's really good. Um, I you know it's it's weird. I, before the combine and really knowing what his true height and and and, and wingspan was, he always felt bigger than what he measured out to be. Um, eventually measured out to be 6'4 with shoes, 6'7 wingspan. You know, it's nothing to scoff at. Um, I just, it always just seemed like, and probably because of his burst and just how willing he was to pressure guys uh, defensively and how, how much he can, you know, make certain rotations, just made you feel like he plays big. Um, you know, I, th- I think for him offensively, you know, the handle's not there, which results in him having to take jump shots that he probably doesn't want to take if he had better had better handle. Um, but I think it's also helped him in, in terms of even as his handle gets better, um, which is going to have to, being able to take some of these shots comfortably, um, either either, you know, in the lane, mid post, at the nail type type jump shots that he likes to take and has taken, you know, on some of these like little short curls and whatnot uh, when he was at Tennessee. Um, I certainly think can be things that he can go back to as as he evolves as a ball handler. Um, you know, twenty seven percent I think it was from three is certainly not uh, encouraging at all. But uh, as a cutter and a lob target, you know, his ability to explode off the floor. Uh, and, and play above the rim and his body control. You know, his explosion, his athleticism is, is uh, top notch. Body control is good. Um, you know, and so I think really to unlock him, and it's it's this way for a lot of young guys. It's it's really going to be the, the the ball handling. Um, you know. Because if you can't handle it at the NBA level, it's it's not only is it hard to get to the rim anyway, um, but if you just don't even have like I mean he's got a decent floater, you know, but I don't think it's going to be the thing that is going to uh, be the defining go-to shot in his uh, in his repertoire for his uh, you know for his paint scoring, you know. Um, and aside from that, you know, his feel as a passer, his decision making, um, is just not there right now. And so, offensively, there's there's a lot of limitations. Um, so you know, being creative with uh, essentially how you use him is going to be paramount. Um, but defensively. Um, I really enjoy him. 
you know, quick reactions, makes and covers a lot of ground that isn't typical. Um, you know, he doesn't. I mean, he's not always a head on the swivel guy, but but for the, but he's pretty aware um, of what's going on in and around him. I mean, he's more than willing to help on digs and you know stop drives and things of that nature. You know, and I think his tools athletically, and then you mix in you know the length. It's you know again, it's nothing to scoff at, but it's also nothing to write home about. Um, you know, I think, but I just think his ability to read and react. Um, to rotate, how quickly he can do certain things. Obviously, he's 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 twitchy as an athlete. Um, you know, quick feet, quick hands. There's going to be a lot of performative stuff that'll show up in the box score for him, but also um, on film there'll be some 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 really good rotations too. We were just like, wow, okay, that's that's really good. Um, so I like him. I mean, to get a guy like that at 21, I thought was, uh, you know, was a good get for sure. Um, all right. So that's the Clippers pick at 21 of Keon Johnson at 22. Lakers, uh, make a trade and then that, that pick is traded again, I believe, so Isaiah Washington, or excuse me, Isaiah Washington, Isaiah Jackson um, gets picked 22 overall to the Wizards. Let me let me uh, just pull up their, um, their depth chart here. Let's see, Wizards. Okay. Um, Alright, um Okay. I'm just trying to figure out how this all NBA.com, I don't think this has this correct, so I'm just trying to remember exactly where he ended up at. Okay. So Lakers had the pick, traded to Washington, and then Wizards traded Jackson to the Pacers. Okay, that's right. Okay, I was going to say, because I didn't really see a need for him in Washington. So why would that happen? All right, that makes sense. Do, 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 do. Go to the Pacers. All right, there we go. All right, a lot of draft night trades, some of this stuff I'm uh, just have to remember in the moment. So, Pacers um, getting Isaiah Jackson. I mean, Isaiah uh, is lauded for his ability to, to block shots and, and, and defend the rim. It's, um, you know, it's uncanny how quickly he can get off the floor. Um, aside from that, um, I don't know, you know, how how excited um, you can be with this pick at 22. 
you know, has some vertical floor spacing ability because of what he can do as far as a lob threat, um, as far as, you know, being in the dunker spot. Um, you know, show some flashes at times, be able to face up and shoot the mid-range, you know, baseline elbow areas, you know, puts the ball on the floor here and there. A lot of little flashes offensively. You know, short right hook, uh, you know, in lanes in his arsenal. Um, but again, a lot of flashes. Um, I mean, he hasn't been a three-point threat much at all, even going back to high school. So, um, stretching the floor is not a... Doesn't appear to be in the cards. So, um... You know, there's times even around the rim where it's required touch that, you know, the finishing wasn't quite there. Um, you know, so for me, shot blocking, um, you know, rebounding here and there, I just think it's it's a rim protection thing, um, especially. Because to me, He's still very much raw into who he is. Um, you know, it's... Uh, I mean, the athleticism is... is You can't deny it. I mean, it's, he's, he's, a, he's a fucking freak athlete. Um, and the rim protection's clearly there. But outside of that, I mean, it's... You know... There's not a ton there just shed a lot of flashes again like like we mentioned with Kai Jones and like we've mentioned with you know, a few other players uh, as we've gone along here it's just um, <laughs> there's there's a lot that needs to be honed there's a lot that needs to be put together worked out and um, again yes surprise I'm saying that about rookies I know I get that somebody sitting there like hey you know remember who you're talking about no shit. Um, yeah, no, I get it. Um, but you know, I mean, again, it's it's really just trying to figure out, you know, to you know figure out exactly what help guys can provide. Because you know, part of it for me is that you know, with Turner constantly out, um. You know, and Sabonis being able to play some five, you know, especially offensively. I mean, he can play the four or the five offensively, but, you know, uh, you know, they draft Goga Patadze, and, I mean, I don't know what his deal is. I, you know, the minutes that he, this guy is getting is few and far between, you know, and uh, that, for me, is a little baffling when you're talking about guys getting maybe 10, 12 minutes a game. Uh, that I thought when he was playing overseas, you know, as he was getting drafted, I thought, you know, this could be a reliable backup. I don't know what's going on in practice or behind the scenes. It's not allowing him to get minutes, but neither here nor there. Um, to me, he's better offensively. He can still block shots. And so I don't know if this is a situation where it's like, well, we'll add – more depth to our front court, okay, maybe. 
but um, you know maybe they're seeing some other things in practice day to day that's making them feel like you know Goga's just not there. Um, so you know. Uh, there's a lot of limitations here with, with adding Jackson, but the athleticism can't be denied. The shot blocking can't be denied. Um, everything outside of that is is a work in progress. Um, so, in any event, um, as you can tell, I like to just cut through the bullshit. Um, I'm, I think I'm going to get ready to wrap some of this up. I think I'll go over a few more guys and we'll kind of wrap this up. Um, Usman Garuba, I think, is a interesting case. Extremely offensively limited. Can't really shoot it. Doesn't really want to shoot it. Um, plays more like a plays more like a five, but he's six eight. Uh, it's just very. something up on him real quick okay all right so Uzman Garuba um, you know I you know it, it for me um, this is a guy that defensively <laughs> the footwork is 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 interesting to, to put it nicely um, he certainly moves well like the things that are said about him defensively have merit um, and it's certainly things that over time can be um, improved upon and worked on and whatnot um, you know but He's got times where if you look at like a closeout, for example, he's not on balance. His feet are out of, you know, just out of place. He's reaching. Um, you know, but then you'll look at another clip, sliding his feet quickly, containing well. Um, and the, and he's showing some solid technique, but overall his, his technique is just weird. Um I mean, he's basically an undersized front court player who can't stretch the floor. You know, and there's just nothing. There's n he's not a big pop guy. Like he's not like a dunker spot guy or a big lob target guy. Uh, he just doesn't have that kind of pop off the floor like that. I mean, give him give him a runway and a landing strip like a lot of these guys. Yeah, you'll see some things. But in terms of playing around NBA length and 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 closing up that lane and, and being able to have you know play against guys who are reading reacting uh, and, and you know and, and really contesting you like I, I, I just don't see it for him um, and he's kind of positionless in a bad way you know where do you put him and if he can eventually you know gain confidence and shoot it um, you know that that can clear some things up certainly think he's more of a longer term prospect um, you know but I like a lot of the activity and motor that I saw from him you know and I think he can translate as he cleans up a lot of the technique um, but he's just I mean offensively he's just so limited 
And, um, you know, if there was even just something offensively, you know, redeeming, like passing or something that I could grasp, it'd be like, all right, you know. Um, I mean, there were times where, like, I'd see him, like, in some pick and roll stuff where, again, he'd have some time and space to kind of load up and, you know, he'd get a pocket pass, for example, and then he could finish it, like, at the rim, above the rim. Um, but it was just like you understood that like his main um, you know his main redeeming quality was what he could do defensively and the things he could get away with like I'm watching some film on him now I mean he can be hesitant to shoot it, but he's, I mean, he's not going to just be like, oh, the hell with it. I'm not shooting it. Like, first clip out the gate, you know, but there's, <laughs> like, you know, he's not afraid to put his body into anybody and, and bang on the inside. It's just the vertical pops out there, but it, he'll, he'll take contact, um, you know, but how well he can finish through it time in and time out, especially because he is undersized, you know, especially at the NBA level, it, you know, it remains to be seen. There's a lot to, uh, you know, a lot to, a lot to, uh, left to be desired, frankly. And, um, you know, can guard in space, has some pretty quick hands, but, you know, you go to watch him handle it. You know, and he just, it's not there. Like, so if he gets a steal, he's better off just looking for a guard, like, ASAP and just getting it to him and being done with it. Um, like, there's just, there's nothing on offense that, like, I can grab onto. And I'm like, yeah, wait till that evolves. And when that evolves, holy shit, you know. Um, so... Maybe it's my lack of imagination. I don't know. But um, I certainly can see what people like about him defensively. Um, but again, there's a lot of technique stuff that just needs to be ironed out. And, um, you know, over time, I think that, that uh, the defensive part of it can, you know, a reasonable amount of it can come to fruition. You know, and uh, my hope would be, honestly, um, given his current offensive output that either they can find ways for him to be paired with a guard who can create enough space for him to be able to load up in the dunker spot or and or preferably and um, and that he can eventually get to a point where he can uh, you know shoot it off the catch, at least from the corners. You know, some folks want to compare his defense to Draymond, and I, I'll slap you if you ever say that to me in my, you know, in person. Um, <laughs> uh, I I would hope, at best, his ceiling can be of a P.J. Tucker. Corner three-point shooter who could, you know, guard different positions. Maybe not all the way up to the five, but, you know, guard enough positions clean up the technique first and then be able to guard you know let's say one through four and then you know as it gets more comfortable maybe some small ball five type stuff but um 
Like, it's just, it's bad on offense, man. It's bad. Like, I, you know, it's bad. Uh, so anyway, having said all that, um, enjoy Rockets fans. Anyway, um, all right. Oh, da, 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 all right, 24. Oh, the Rockets again. Well, Josh Christopher. Yeah, I watched uh, watched quite a bit on, on Josh today. Um, all right, let's let's click off this. This, this, this is starting to make me queasy. Um, all right. Josh Christopher. Uh, da, da, da. All right, Josh Christopher. So, um, you know, offensively throughout high school, I'd always hear all these great things about Josh. Well-deserved. He can score. Um, watching him at Arizona State, a little bit different experience. But still some good flashes. Of things that you like. Physically, I like the frame. 6'4 to 18, plus 5 wingspan. Good place to start. Um, shot making and playmaking. There's things to like, there's things to just control, alt, delete. Um, you know, knowing when to, to, to shoot and drive in terms of shot making and when to pass and what passes to make. Um, like, he's just not always there yet. Like, you can tell he plays with a lot of instinct. Right? Like, just, I know I can get this shot off and here's how. Even if you don't like the end result or the way in which I did it. Here's how I can do it. And you're like, okay. But you could have, instead of trying to MacGyver a shot out of all this, you could have created something um, a little less strenuous. Maybe a driving kick would have been better here. Maybe a pull-up would have been better there. Maybe actually getting all the way through the lane and through that driving lane would have been better here. A lot of that. Um... You know, just learning to attack in smart ways and not just knowing where your spots are, but knowing how to exploit and get to those spots. You know, um, definitely has tunnel vision. He, he's locked into score. That's who he is. Um, at some point, though, when he's getting cut off, and the defense is committed. Recognizing open shooters is going to be must. It's it's not a, a hope. It's a must. Um, you know, it's footwork, decision making, um, handle, being indecisive at times. You know, predetermining. You know, all our areas for him offensively that are are really. Um, either underdeveloped or just areas that are operated more by instinct than 
basketball skill. Um, you know, um, and then defensively, um, you know, reading the floor defensively. Like, look, his ability to pop off the floor is good. Um, so there's going to be some performative things that he's going to be able to do that I'm going to be like, damn, he's a good athlete. Oh, shit, you see that cuts in the rim? That was a nice, nice finish. Did you see that block? Damn, that was nice. He's got that. Like, you look at his film, he's got that. Um, but knowing when to, like, being instinctual and knowing and being an athlete um, and or being an IQ and awareness and, 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 and someone who's reading the floor, completely different. Completely different level of player when you're talking about playing at the professional level. Like, Josh Christopher can just figure out how to go get you a bucket. That I don't worry about. Like, he, he can figure something out. Again, you may not like how he eventually decided that he got there, but he'll get there. Um, but there was just times where I'd see him, like, take some shots. Like, you know, you see the Kobe memes, and you're just like, okay, there's how many sets of eyes on Kobe, and he took this shot, and there was two other guys. Now, you know. You get to a certain level, you can make those decisions and look at everybody else like, go fuck yourself. But we're not talking about that, you know, with Josh Christopher just yet. You know. So I respect his pedigree as far as, far as a five-star athlete coming out of high school. And I respect the fact that, like, instinctually, he can hoop. You can go out there and, and score your bucket. But in terms of actually playing the game... Instincts combined with athleticisms combined with IQ is dangerous. Instincts combined with nothing more than instincts is also dangerous, but not in the way that, not in a positive way. It can be dangerous in the way where it's like, unless the performative things outweigh the mistakes, which they won't, it's hard to keep you on the floor. Now, if these things can be ironed out, and I really hope they can, because I listen, I, I I know I'm saying I might be saying a lot of negative shit, but I really like watching this guy play. Like no bullshit. I hope as you're listening to this, like you can just tell, like I'm just gonna tell you what I th- what I think and what the film's showing me. Doesn't mean I'm gonna be right every time. I'm certainly gonna miss. Okay, anybody in this industry that tells you they get it right all the time, yeah, okay. Anyway, um, that's a whole nother conversation. But, you know, uh, yeah, I, again, there's, there's, there's a lot here that has to be worked on, but I hope it gets worked out. I really do. Um... Because, you know, part of the thing that was a little discouraging to me that it felt like people were just like, okay, we're low on this guy because... Because, look, at some level, you have to accept a player for who they are. I don't care if they've been in the league 10 years. I don't care if they've they've been in the league 10 minutes. At some level, you have to accept a player as they are. And I think 
Josh Christopher is going to kind of fall into that category where you, he is who he is. There's going to be things that you really enjoy. There's going to be other things you're just like, wow, okay. Yeah, that was bad. But part of that's being young and that part of that's being you know raw and instinctual versus high IQ and skilled. But if eventually if he can evolve to that enough and combine it with the instincts and the athleticism, you have something. So to me, this is an upside pick on a guy who's proven to be a skilled scorer. You know, at each level he's played at. So, I'm intrigued, um, to say the least. But, uh, you know, that's basically the extent of it. Um, all right. Do I want to keep going or do I want to wrap this up? All right, I'll, I'll speak on one more player. Um, well, first of all, let me just say, um, I love that Bones Highland went in the first round. Should have, did, kudos on the Nuggets, who I think is another smart drafting team. That's one. Two, um, Cam Thomas is going to figure out a way to score in this league, point blank period. You may not like him, but Kind of, you may not always like the shot attempts, but he can score. So, now people say, well, you know, Nets don't necessarily need it. Yeah, I I get that. I get that. But, you know, I don't think the Nets are going to be like in the seventh game uh, of the Eastern Conference Finals. Like, well, shit, we really need a Cam Thomas to hit. No, that's not going to happen. So, you know, let's pump the brakes on whether or not they need it. Like, you know, bottom line. It's coming off the bench. You know, it kind of is what it is. But I think eventually he's going to figure out, you know, a way to make his imprint as far as a score. He's done, I mean, it, 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 he's undeniable in that way. It just is. Bones Highland's the same way. <clears throat> anyway, um, a draft Twitter darling that. I'll finish this off with that that I do agree with on 100%. It's Jaden Springer. I thought Jaden Springer should have went much higher. Yeah, I do. Um, you know, I watched Tennessee throughout the season, and I did not remember him having the defensive impact that I eventually saw when I went back and watched the film. And um, I liked him. You know, I got to see him. A handful of times when he came down to IMG, um, play live, and uh, you know was intrigued by him then. Yeah. But um, now at this point, I think I think the 76 schools have been another team who, if we're being being honest, has done a good job drafting um, the last handful of years. Um, they got they got a steal. Yeah, they really did. Um, and so, I'm a guy who, if you are a rookie coming into this league, you need to figure out the defensive end. And for some guys, it's going to take longer. Other guys, not so much. But at some point, 
you need to figure it out en enough, depending upon your role, obviously. If you're playing in the second unit, you're playing, you know, some lower tier NBA guys. I mean, it's may not be as as as, as um, paramount for you to figure out that end of the floor, especially if you're a specialty guy within the second unit. But if you want to work your way up the lineup, I, you know, I'm just of the mindset that high IQ play on both ends is going to be, you know, be something that uh, is 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 very helpful. You know, but then on the back end of it, you know, uh, you know, you could be a Matisse Thibel since we're talking about the Sixers. You can be a Matisse Thibel and you know be a high IQ defender, but you know, offensively it it's just not there, so it's hard to put you on the floor all the time. Jaden Springer, however, does not have that issue. He's a scoring guard. Um, it's an excellent interior passer, good finisher, has a nice pull-up mid-range game and is a good three-point shooter you know it's being said that you know whatever pre-draft stuff he showed was was impressive but I guess not impressive enough I don't know I I, I personally can't figure it out and I'm I'm not a draft Twitter guy in terms of like let me jump into the think tank there's definitely some smart people within draft Twitter absolutely uh, my hat's off to them um they know who they are, and then there's some that are delusional and think they know who they are, but whatever. Um, so, having said that, but yeah, no, this, this, Jaden Springer should have been higher. Uh, you know, I'm not going to sit up here and, well, you should have been, you know, I don't, at some point, I really don't give a damn, you know, what number you're drafted at. I really don't. Um. Obviously, if you've got a, a lottery pick, you wanna you wanna knock that out of the park. But after that, like it's all tomato, tomato. It really is. I mean, your goal is to find somebody you hope will make your rotation. And if you eventually are good enough to become a playoff team, good enough to then make your playoff rotation since it's shorter. Yeah. But that's the one guy throughout this whole draft process that I thought, yeah, you guys are right on this one. Absolutely. And that's not to say there's that's the that's the only one. I'm just saying like that was the one that like folks were staking their you know, planting their flag firmly in the ground and willing to die on that hill. That hill I, I will gladly support. I don't die on any hills, but I'll gladly support that hill from afar. So, I'll close it with that. Um, I could go into Dave Run Sharp and Santi Aldama and, you know, all that. But I, here's, here's what I'll say. If you enjoyed this, um, as I mentioned at the top of the podcast during the intro, I need people to go in and rate, subscribe, comment, and leave positive feedback and get this thing moving. If I could do it myself, I'd do it myself. I can't. So I need you to do it. If you're listening to this and you've listened to this uh, for however long I've been yammering, um, first of all, thank you. And second of all, um, you know, you're the people that eventually make content for any creator move. So I need that from you all. If there's enough feedback on this thing, 
to encourage me to continue to post more regularly, I will. Um, but if there's not, then I'll just post whenever I feel like I have enough to say and uh, leave it at that. Because um, I certainly would love to have a weekly thing. But I Listen, I, I did sports talk radio here in Orlando for a little over a year. I've done podcasts, you know, since even before they were super fashionable, before everybody and your barber had one. Um, so I've been doing it a long time. You know, I might say um a lot and other unintellectual bullshit, but, uh, you know, I can, I'll put together a quality show um, if the support's there. If not, I just, you know, I don't mind just coming on here and just talking hoops and logging off, uploading it, and, and continuing about my day. So it, it really, I mean, your feedback is, is really the thing that makes this thing go. It's not me. It's your reaction to me. Because if your reaction is poor, at least if there is something of substance to it and not just some rantings or musings of, of somebody pissed off in, 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 you know, on the Internet, I can, you know, I can figure some things out. Get some guests on that you know, can provide more context than, than I can or I do. Because as you can tell, I'm more of a watch the film, but it doesn't mean I don't pay attention to. I mean, there's there's, you know, there's folks out there putting together quality work. Um, you know, initially when I was planning this, I was looking at getting um, Simon from Shot Quality. If you're not following Shot Quality um, on Twitter at Shot Quality, um, you're missing out. The content that they're putting out and the things that they're putting together is is uh, really good. And so not only follow them, but uh, really check out and subscribe to what they're doing. Um, and I don't, I don't say that lightly. Um, so, but there's, there's people like that. They're putting together fantastic things out there that um, my only requirement is if you're going to put anything out there, it just adds context to the film, to the game, versus like you're trying to get a number that doesn't really add much context. You know, so. Um, but again, this is all driven by you. So if you if you want more of this, I, I, I have to see the sort of reaction that is going to warrant it. If it's not there, then there's really no... There's really no uh, driving force to, that makes me get up and say, I need a podcast today. Um, you know, because I can just do these whenever. And, I, mean, I, I do all my own stuff. Everything you see on the YouTube, this, it's all done by me. You know, I had somebody do the intro for me on this podcast. He recorded it. I paid him for it. And that's it. Everything else is me. So, you know, um, I'm certainly ha happy to create more content and sit here and talk basketball. Love doing it. Same point in time. Um, I got a lot of things I need to be doing on a daily basis. So putting out free content doesn't always rank high. Even if it's content I love just doing just for the shits and giggles of doing it. But... Um, 
the support's got to be there. Right. And on your end, you're saying, well, hey, you've got to create something that we want to support. Very true. So hopefully this is something you've enjoyed. Um, I went into this wanting to be loose. I like to be loose. I don't want to be too overly formal or structured or, you know, formulaic. Okay, this is how we're going to do it. Top of the show, we do this. Middle segment, we do that. I did that in radio. Yeah. Yeah, I did that. I get it. I know the. I know that game. Um, but podcasting is different. Podcasting is meant to be more of a conversation. So if I'm not going to have a guest and it's just going to be me and you, then I'm going to talk like this because, let me just be honest, if we're sitting here talking basketball and I'm supposed to be somebody who knows about these prospects, for example, then I'm going to I'm gonna talk to you in a way that's not meant to like flood your brain with numbers. I'm not trying to convince you that these guys are going to be this or that. It's not my job. Eventually, their performance on the floor will do that. It's not my job to do it. It's not anybody's job who does this to do that. It's not my job to make you, uh, as a fan, feel better about their picks. Oh, well, how would you grade our draft? Hey, you know, like, <laughs> like the grade is going to be in what these guys eventually do. I could sit there and think, oh, well, both their picks were great, and then only one of them pans out, or neither one of them really pan out. So what's really the point? You know? If I'm going to just give you my opinion, let me just give it to you straight and, and unfiltered versus, well, here's my grade, and here's why. Or here's my big board, even though I'm never going to be drafting. Or here's my mock draft. You know, all of it ends up being just somebody who's just, you know, trying to convince you that their ranking's better than the next person. It doesn't do anything for you. All it does is say, oh, I respect their opinion more than the next guy. Okay. You, you can certainly do that. You can certainly choose. I, look, a lot of the basketball people that I love talking to uh, aren't thinking about mock drafts and, 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 and big boards. And yet, they could watch a player play and break them down just as good, if not better. So, you know, I, I've come from the from the school of cut the shit and let's get down to brass tacks. You know, I don't want to overthink this stuff because it's not uh, it's not in me to overthink. But at the same point in time, if I'm going to put thought into it, um. I'm going to give you give it to you the way that I know to give it to you, but I'm also not going to just sit there and say, well, you know, my opinion is law. It's, you know, I'm going to be wrong on some of these guys. But your favorite guy that puts out all the numbers and crunches it and does this and that, like, they're going to miss too. They're going to miss big. We all do. If they're being honest with you, They'll tell you they're misses. If they're not, they're probably not worth listening to. Just being honest. Anybody who will bullshit you over something like as simple as scouting, they're full of shit anyway. So leave them alone. In any event, like, comment, subscribe. 
go on to iTunes, especially Spotify, especially, and anything you can do, follow whatever they allow you to do, whatever that platform allows you to do. Subscribe, like, comment, follow, whatever. Please do it. Your support and your reaction is what tells me if this is even something that it even matters, even remotely. Even if only matters to 100 people, if I can tell that it matters to 100 people, that gives me energy. You know, I'm not somebody that needs, oh, I need, you know, a million clicks. I'm good. I'm good. Would I like to get to that? Absolutely. But am I going to sit up here and be like, oh, my God. Oh, do you see all oh, the number? Oh, look, look, a lot of you barely watch the <laughs> barely watch the film I put out there. I'll put three hours worth of film on a guy, and the average viewer is watching like 20 minutes, maybe less. You know, so in any event, I appreciate you. I do. I know I talk very frank, but this is how I talk when it comes to basketball very frank and let's just cut the shit I want all these guys to follow their dreams and do well even the guys I'm not high on I hope they prove me fucking wrong this is their dream man like honestly who who what what asshole would I ever be for me to be like well I hope I'm right would I you know do I want to be right is this a business of accuracy of course it is but at the same point in time um I'm not rooting for for my correctness. If a guy I'm not particularly high on makes a team better, great. Maybe we'll start to see more small market teams in the, in the NBA Finals. Or teams that are labeled league pass teams, now they're becoming you know national stories and we need to watch them week in and week out. I'd love that. So, to all these guys, I say congratulations. It's fucking hard to do what you just did. Regardless of what your career turns out to be. Even if you end up having to play overseas. You're forever going to be able to get paid to play a game. What an accomplishment. So, with that, I bid you all adieu. Take care. God bless you. Please support the podcast as best as humanly possible. And I will see you again on another episode of The Prospect Pod. Take care.